You know what time it is? It's vigorous Q&A time. Sorry for being late. I just came off the podcast with Paul Burnett, Chase Irons, and everybody else over at Anabolic Bodybuilding. And I uh, had to go to the bathroom. So didn't have time to kind of preload all of the questions for today. But let's just uh, get right into it. Uh, Jake Applebaum asks, what's the mechan- mechanism of anniverse benefits when taken pre-workout? Just immediately increase in free testosterone? Uh, no, that's not the case. I mean, you're basically getting all of the uh, entire dose uh, on the androgen receptor if you take it fully pre-workout. And this way, through the increased blood flow of the muscle group that you're training during that workout, you get potentially more androgen receptor binding in the muscle that you're training of the anivar that you just took. So, of course, the androgen-mediated gene transcription uh, starts working right away, but anybody that used anivar pre-workout will tell you the first four or five days, you don't really notice so much of an effect. It still takes several days for this maximum effect to kind of build up. So, um, taking it pre-workout might have a benefit later on but if you want to have the maximum uh, benefits then you basically need to take it every day still um you know for the uh, nitrogen retention and the protein expression and all that good stuff to start manifesting now with anadrol it's a little bit different you feel that it has some non-genomic uh, effects and of course every uh, steroid is slightly different in its effect in that extent um so you know does anavar increase free testosterone Uh, slightly but that will also go to the androgen receptor so i would say that it's beneficial to take a pre-workout for its overall um, increase in um, contractile capacity and strength and that kind of stuff but if you want to split it up over the day that's uh, it's still going to work so i I think the main benefit of taking anavar directly pre-workout is that you get uh, more of the anavar into the muscle group that you're going to train that day because the blood flow to that muscle group is increased because you have a pump all right, let's go to the next question. Uh, this one is also from Jake Applebaum. I didn't have time to preload all the questions yet, so we're going to go back and forth to uh, Patreon. Jake Applebaum, I know you said you have been on a break from the gym for a while. Are you still doing uh, cardio or anything else to maintain, promote general health? Yes, yeah, so I've been doing, I was uh, off for the gym for five weeks and then I started last week. So I did one rotation of push-pull legs. So I've done, um, well, basically three days in the gym consecutively. Yesterday I didn't go, today I didn't go because I am too busy. But tomorrow I'll go do another push day again. I'm so fucking sore. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't trained for five weeks and I'm really, really sore. The last week uh, before last weekend, I didn't do any cardio, but I started that again this week. Um, I didn't want to do any cardio just to see if the cardiac markers would still be elevated, which they stay all. So even though they came down slightly um, by not training for five weeks and not doing cardio for one week, um, they're still sufficiently elevated uh, be- beyond ba- baseline from one and a half years ago, right? Before I, uh, you know, got... Uh, mandated let's put it that way so um it was good to take a break right my shoulders feel absolutely great and fresh a little bit of a shoulder push and stuff and no pain so good so far but i'm about half as strong as i used to be so right i'm not anywhere close to respectable weight so i'll slowly build that up over the next couple of weeks and then at one point the peds will come back into the picture and then uh, you'll see some serious shit so um I, the first four weeks i was doing cardio still But the last week, uh, I took a one-week break to see if that would have an effect on my cardiac markers. So, um, yeah, they went down, but not uh, dramatically down. All right, Ryan asks, My total iron and transferrin saturation have both been moved above the 
the top of the reference range. I've not changed my diet. Could it be that I'm taking too much vitamin C, uh, increasing iron absorption? Let's see. Are there any uh, other common non-diet causes of increased iron? So your iron levels can come up um, a multitude of different reasons. If your hematocrit is actually coming down, your red blood cells are coming down, or the total red blood cell count, the iron, which is stored within the hemoglobin within the red blood cells, eventually gets metabolized in the liver into uh, bilirubin, of course, serum iron, which is now free. And then some of that will be stored in ferritin. Now, it could be the transferrin also increases alongside of that when you have a little bit of iron recycling from the red blood cells, which are now being destroyed. So maybe you had a period of uh, high hematocrits and high red blood cell, you came off cycle, and then you saw that you have normal total iron, normal ferritin level, normal transfer levels, but high hematocrit and high red blood cell counts. Then as your hematocrit and red blood cell count comes down, some of the iron gets recycled. And now your uh, total iron in serum and your ferritin and perhaps transferrin will also go up. So this could be one of the reasons. Um, maybe you're taking too much vitamin C. Maybe um, you're taking too much or not enough copper, right? Copper deficiency can also increase your iron levels because a lot of these uh, minerals, they use similar transporters. So there's a multitude of things you can look into. Uh, but I would say that it's uh, most likely due to um, hematocrit and red blood cell count coming down. And, you know, sometimes you have a one-off, right? Sometimes a lot of the iron and uh, that's stored within uh, tissue gets released and then ends up in the bloodstream. Now you have a higher level in the bloodstream while, while the total iron within your body might still be the same, right? just in a different place. Instead of it being in a tissue, now it's in the bloodstream, right? So track your longitudinal data and see over time if it comes down, if it goes back up, right? And otherwise, I look at the IP6, uh, which prevents iron absorption. So further iron from your diet will no longer be absorbed and you have adequate time to remove the serum iron from your bloodstream, right? Or we can do chelation therapy, EDTA chelation, for example, um, to get the iron out of your bloodstream faster or do a therapeutic blood donation if uh, your hematocrit and red blood cell count is also elevated. So multitude of things you can look into. Um, but of course, without a full picture of your blood work, I would say that it's immediate cause for concern unless your iron levels are at alert and it's really, really high and it stays elevated for a long period of time, then you need to do some additional testing and maybe do some imaging on your liver. All right. Okay. Octavian. No pain, no gain. I agree. That is the way of life. No pain, no gain. All right, Ryan. I have to format everything. Shame on me for being late. Ryan asks, where would you like your vitamin D levels to be? Mine are at 149 mols per liter, which puts me in the middle of the UK reference range. But I see some places have a much lower top of the reference range, closer to 100 nanomoles per liter. I'm not familiar with that range, I'm going to be honest. I'm familiar with, what was it? Nanograms per deciliter? <laughs> I don't know the exact concentration and range for vitamin D um, or D3 out of, uh, from the top of my head. So if you're in the middle of the reference range, 
um, I would say uh, maybe go on 2000 IOS vitamin D3 or actually get some uh, sunlight exposure, you know, 20 minutes full body while you're walking the dog and all of your neighbors are staring at you like, what the hell are you doing? You know, walking around butt naked in the neighborhood. Uh, maybe you should do that in the backyard though, you know, maybe that's a little bit healthier for the mental well-being of all of your neighbors. Uh, at least get some full body exposure, right, for adequate vitamin D levels. And otherwise, supplement 2000 IOs, 5000 IOs, how many ever however many IOs you need to bring your vitamin D levels to a middle top of the reference range. And sometimes you're so vitamin D deficient that it might take weeks of 10,000 IOs vitamin D supplementation, D3 supplementation, to bring your serum vitamin D3 levels up, right? At first it has to go into tissue, and while the tissue levels aren't saturated, the serum levels will just stay normal within the middle. So maybe you're, you've been a vitamin D3 deficient for such a long time, and you need to go a heavy uh, dose to kind of bring your levels up systemically, right? If you do blood work, you only get the values with in your blood but not within the tissues and in most cases it's very similar representative of what the vitamin d levels or the iron levels or whatever uh, you know parameter that you're testing for um are within the actual tissues compared to the blood but sometimes there's a discrepancy vitamin b12 vitamin d3 for example iron right all of these um micronutrients that you can supplement with sometimes you're deficient even though your blood work doesn't really show it um so keep that in mind, right? And otherwise, look up vitamin D3 deficiency or look up um, iron overload and see if some of those side effects match your current condition. Darius, explain FST7 training. I think you forgot the T. Um, honestly, <laughs> I have no idea. What was it? Like seven sets at the end and then uh, you take some uh, insulin, fast-acting insulin, and testosterone suspension, which is not mentioned in his ebook, but that's basically what you know everybody in the fitness industry kind of pieced together. So you have some volumizing agents um, before those last seven sets of your uh, workout, and then you do what was it seven sets of seven reps? I, honestly, I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not familiar with FST7 or most of the training um, philosophies. Um, I just go to the gym to have fun. And uh, I push hard when I need to, and I back off when I need to. I'm very in tune with my body, and I would say that most people should train like that so you can prevent injury and not go by the logbook, oh, today I have to do seven sets of ABC, but you're not really feeling it. Uh, maybe you should go home and recuperate. And maybe another day you're really feeling it. Maybe you need eight, eight sets or nine sets or ten sets. Right? So listen to your body is probably the best way to kind of train. Uh, unless you really don't like training, then it's probably better to play video games. Gabe, thoughts on Trestalone meant monotherapy. I'm considering it, but not having any bioidentical estrogen seems sketchy in case of 17 methyl estradiol isn't sufficient. Yeah, um, I would say it's sketchy indeed. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. Start reading all of the papers that were performed on men uh, where Trestalone was investigated as a contraceptive and start looking at the side effects or the potential benefits that those men experience. Now, the side effects are not very well documented, I would say. I read all of the studies on Trestolone regarding, um, you know, it's a contraceptive um, or, you know, benefits potentially, which was, you know, um, reversed. But, um, yeah, they didn't really document anything regarding kidney markers or liver enzymes or, or you know, um, changes in red blood cell count. So uh, I, I think that testosterone base is the best for everybody. Don't try to reinvent the wheel unless 
your testosterone non-responder, which is a very, very small percentage of the people who take steroids. And, um, you know, first get your hands dirty with testosterone, maybe trinandrolone-only cycle if that doesn't work. And then trestolone-only cycle is uh, very, 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 very far down the line. I've never met anybody who had a successful outcome with a trestolone-only cycle because, again, serum estradiol will be low, serum DHT will be low, DHEA will be low, pregnenolone will be low unless you start supplementing with that. And then, of course, you're going to go on HCG alongside of your trestolone, but then it's not really... Um, they still have adequate amounts with testosterone, DHA, pregnenolone, and uh, estradiol. And... Um, yeah, you might just feel kind of off. So, you know, just keep it simple, dude. Take some testosterone. And if you want to take mint, take that alongside of your testosterone. And maybe use an aromatized inhibitor to uh, keep your serum estradiol levels in range. All right, let me go back to some of the questions on Patreon. Before I forget those guys. And then I get the mob on me. Steve, you didn't answer my questions, bro. Uh... There we go. Octavian, I'll get to yours. Don't worry. Marcus Abila asks, what time of the day would be optimal to take NAC? That's N-acetylcysteine for the uninitiated. <laughs> Could I, everybody knows this shit. Come on now. Could I have a negative impact on hypertrophy if taken before or after workout? No. No. No, don't worry about it. Take it with meal one and take it with the last meal. Feel free to take some glycine with that to have a higher likelihood that your uh, glutathione stores go up compared to, to, to just taking NAC by itself. A lot of new evidence that came out that uh, the combination of NAC alongside gly uh, glycine, very beneficial for glutathione stores, just like a nicotinamide mononucleotide is supposedly uh, to be taken with TMG, which I'm not exactly sure. Well, it's trimethylglycine, right? So another glycine. Maybe glycine is the missing link, guys, for sleep for glutathione levels when you combine it with NAC and uh, for uh, NAD plus levels when you combine it with nicotinamide mononucleotide and when you combine it with isoleucine and leucine and valine and all these BCAAs and maybe beta or HMB you get all of the uh, benefit of collagen synthesis and you get all of the benefits of protein synthesis and the anti-catabolic effects of beta -tor. yes I've been thinking about this quite a bit HMB, glycine and BCAAs or maybe EAAs with every meal so back to the subject uh don't worry about it take your nsc forget about it and enjoy beautiful white skin and a very high antioxidant status in the body non-arousal non-arousal coitus yeah i'm not at that point yet but maybe in 10 years um you know like oh maybe the the, the kids are asleep and then you just have like one minute to prepare um yeah that nsc we're not there yet so don't worry octavian <laughs> I'll keep you guys informed. I might make a stack for that. Uh, any opinions on a 9-MEBC? Any plans for a video in the future? So my experimentation days are um, far away, right? So I don't really have an opinion on 9-MEBC, you know, regarding its uh, you know inhibiting effects on uh, dopamine receptors and that kind of stuff. So uh, it'll give me some time to do some research. But for now, I would say uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yet. Yet, but let me get my wife pregnant and then we'll start doing a little bit of experiments here and there. Uh, but it might still be a couple weeks or months. Yeah, or maybe only two weeks uh, because ovulation is just around the corner from what I've been told. You know, that's the best thing in a relationship. Your wife whispers in your ear, uh, honey, I'm ovulating in two days. And then uh, guess what? Uh, where the race comes. 
Yeah, it's not a salary raise. <laughs> All right. Marcus Abila asks, would 50 micrograms T3 dosage be enough to help on a cut? I think that's too much, buddy. Is it safe dosage to be taken on a long cut uh, if the heart rate is still in a healthy range? Any other parameters or blood markers to watch for? Yes, yeah, so creatine phosphokinase might go up, which is a um, you know a marker of um, well, basically creatine uh, creatinine metabolism. So and and um, you know a, a donation for ATP synthesis that might go up, and it could be that your CKMB actually goes up. That's your CPK creatine phosphokinase myocardial band, which is a heart specific CPK. Uh, that might go up because you know T3 specifically works on the thyroid receptors on the heart and will keep your heart rate elevated the entire way through especially if you're taking clambuterol which works on the beta 2 adrenergic receptors and so now you got two receptors that you're stimulating on the heart i think that 25 micrograms t3 alongside 50 micrograms t4 split am pm 12.5 micrograms t3 and 25 micrograms t4 in the morning uh, not pm sorry afternoon because otherwise you can't sleep and everybody has insomnia nowadays uh, you take the other 12.5 micrograms T3 and 25 micrograms T4 sometime in the afternoon, right? You have to kind of schedule that around taking either uh, before but with the meal, right? So you take your T3 and T4 on an empty stomach, you have your meal an hour later, and then you go to the gym, or you have your T3 and T4 uh, right after the gym, and then you eat maybe 30 minutes later to help with the metabolism of uh, the meal that you have post-workout, right? Don't take your T3 and T4 directly pre-workout um, because otherwise you're going to go flat and you might go catabolic, right? So time that respectively. You can take it pre-cardio um, if you have a little bit of carnitine and perhaps some other fat burners in the picture or some lipolytic agents like a clenbuterol or growth hormone or uh, perhaps insulin, glucagon, right? We've talked about this a couple times here and there. Um, that's where you facilitate enough uh, lipolysis for adequate levels of fat in the bloodstream for the catabolic effect of T3 not to take place because you're burning so much fatty acids during your fasted cardio session. Um, so yeah, I think 50 micrograms T3 is m too much for anybody unless you're behind in your diet. And uh, I would rather have you uh, postpone your diet to another deadline, maybe a month later, and go on a lower dose T3, a replacement dose of 25 micrograms, than uh, for you to push it up to 50, 75, 100, uh, yeah, or more, which sometimes you hear people do. All right, where are we? Welsh Gunner has got two questions. Let me format that. So it looks nice on the screen. All right. Posted, bro. An error occurred. Oh, no. Are you guys still with me? Uh. Oh, no. There we go. Already got connection issue. Ah, there we are. My God, man, what a day. Yeah, Will Schooner asks, Hello, Steve. I have a two-part question. Part one. <laughs> How would, uh, would clomid or N-clomiphene monotherapy be at all effective 
uh, for increasing anabolism or is it just useful to restart the AHPTA? So yes, if you're currently androgen deficient or middle of the reference range and clomid or enclomiphene is able to raise your LH and FSH levels to the point your testosterone levels are also coming up. So that means you don't have a lazy pituitary or a lazy uh, hypothalamus or lazy testicles, right? That your ABT, HPTA is functioning by blocking the estrogen receptors. If your testosterone levels are thus going up, then you're more anabolic because now your serum testosterone levels are higher. But if nothing really happens, your LH and FSH doesn't really go up because your pituitary or hypothalamus are lazy, or uh, they do go up, but your testicles are lazy, you maybe can give it another chance with HCG monotherapy. And then if testosterone levels still don't go up and you're absolutely 100% sure that your HCG is 100% legit, um, you get it, you know, the Merck Ovitrol from Anabolic Pharmacist. You know where to get it. Um, yeah, in that case, if that still doesn't work for you, then you need to go on exogenous testosterone. You forget about the HCG or maybe do a maintenance dose to have somewhat testicular function while you're using uh, TRT. Um, but yeah, for some people, um, clomid and, and clomiphene might uh, bring them in a more anabolic state. Some people get 1,400, 1,500 nanograms per deciliter under serum testosterone levels. That's the total, not the free or the bioavailable. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you never really know unless you uh, try, but I will say this, selective estrogen receptor modulators have clotting issues. Do you want to undergo that risk? I think not. Why do you think I only use HCG and FSH right now and not enclomiphene or clomid? I don't want to worry about a risk of clotting. So, I'll leave that up to you. I mentioned that every single video that these serums have clotting risks. Um, yeah, I'd rather have you use HCG. Just look at my blood work parameters over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, even though I would like it to be higher, uh, you know, still 600 to 800 nanograms per deciliter. 800 on a good day. And Welsh Gunnar asks uh, the second part. I've heard that clomid can lower libido as estrogen is blocked at the receptor, but I've heard uh, of enclomiphene substantially increasing libido. Any thoughts from your experience? So, uh, again, clomid has two stereoisomers. That's, um, what is it? Let's say two-thirds enclomiphene and one-third zuclomiphene. And apparently... All of the issues, all of the side effects, all of the problems that people have with clomiphene, that's the low libido, that's the uh, ocular changes, which, uh, you know, from what I've heard, can also occur with enclomiphene. Um, you know, the, the libido problems, the mood issues, right? The, you know, you watch Titanic and you cry like a little baby. Um, that's all zuclomiphene. So that's one-third clomid, right, clomiphene. And you don't have any of that with enclomiphene. Now, from the people that I talk to, you still have issues with enclomiphene, but it might be substantially less. That's why nowadays, if you can get your hands on it, enclomiphene seems to be preferred. Uh, but again, clotting risks, because it's a selective estrogen receptor modulator, so I'd rather have you use HCG monotherapy or go on exogenous testosterone with a maintenance dose of HCG for testicular function. All right, guys, I can't emphasize it enough. I, um, I want you guys all to have a very good cardiovascular health. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Couple more questions. Oh, Ahmed. All right, we're going to have to decipher that. <laughs> Ahmed always doesn't take the time to write out his questions. Um, but I'll do my best to piece it together. All right, here we go. Oh, where are we? 
Yeah. First, I'll be using a Remedex instead of XMS stain, that's a Romacin. Um, you have a rule of uh, one tab, uh, a Romacin for each amp of testosterone. Then how would you use a Remedex with that? Uh, second is the impact of having high fibrinogen just slightly over the reference range with the normal D-dimer and platelets. Okay, so fibrinogen is of course, uh, you know, related to your clotting. So um, there's not only fibrinogen that you can test. You can also check your uh, pro, uh, was it thromboplastin time and two, and I, I can't really remember. So please check all of them. And if there's an issue, um, all right, check your D-dimer, check your uh, platelets, uh, make sure that you have adequate vitamin K, vitamin E, and fish oil in your diet for normal clotting. And again, fibrinogen can be uh, off one time, but if it's chronically off and all of your other markers are in range, please consult with a doctor because I'm not a specialist on clotting. All right, so all right, I'll keep that in mind, guys. I know a lot about performance enhancing drugs, but when it comes to cardiovascular uh, clotting uh, things, Talk with a doctor instead, especially if your fibrinogen levels are chronically elevated or maybe some of the uh, thromboplasmin time um, you know, markers are also off compared to normal. But it is very likely that you're just vitamin deficient. So he wants to know about the general rule of thumb. Um, if one tablet Arimidex is the same for one ampule of testosterone, just like one tablet of uh, Aromacin is the same for one ampule of testosterone. And I would say yes. One milligram Arimidex or 25 milligrams Aromacin per every 250 milligrams testosterone, anidate, cypionate, propionate, whatever ester, as a starting point, right? You run that protocol for one week. So if you do 125 milligrams testosterone, anidate, cypionate, propionate, acetate, whatever ester you take, Monday, Friday, 250 milligrams total per week. Then you take either 25 milligrams Aromacin per week, 12.5 milligrams Monday, 12.5 milligrams Friday, on the same day you do your testosterone administrations, or half a milligram of Remedex on Monday and Friday. Again, same day that you do your testosterone administrations because now the half-life of the esters and the peaks and the valleys kind of match the half-life of your aromatized inhibitor. Um, confirm that with blood work and then see what's going on, right? Um, and then see if you need to make further adjustments. Maybe you need to go to daily subcutaneous micro-administrations because this dose of Remedex or Romacin isn't sufficient to keep your serum estradiol levels in range or maybe your serum estradiol levels are now so low that you need to have or remove the dose of arimidex or aromacin right so again blood work will tell you what you need to do but you have to start somewhere and i feel that one tablet per one ampule per week is a good starting point all right didn't i gape didn't i just make a video about methylene blue uh, all right, here we go. Gabe asks, any thoughts on methylene blue? I've been enjoying it quite a bit. Peace and love. Yeah, so I did some research on it, right, for in the context of improving your oxygenation and endurance for the endurance deep dive. I already released that. You can find it on my YouTube channel. Uh, since then, I've had two consultations with people who take high amounts of methylene blue and their uh, red blood cell content hematocrit actually dropped down to 37%, right? Red blood cells like below the reference range in hematocrit is 37%. And in the beginning, they felt good. 
and in a low dose, let's say two to four milligrams, and then you ramp it up to 25 milligrams. And again, the clinically recognized dose for uh, particular treatments is one milligram per one kilogram. So that's why I wrote between 25 to 100 milligrams in the endurance deep dive, but it seems that at higher dosages, methylene blue is not so good for your hematocrit. So uh, everybody always talks about tilmasartan being so good to control your hematocrit levels, right? Wrong, wrong. So wrong. <laughs> I've seen so much blood work. People using 80 milligrams tilmasartan and their red blood cell count in America is still elevated and they need therapeutic blood donations or enalopril. But it seems that methylene blue is actually quite potent to keep that in range, but also helps with endurance and overall oxygenation. Um, people feel it's a very good nootropic. Um, of course, it's very good uh, to uh, color your stool blue. That's how much of a potent dye it is. But I haven't used it myself. So my personal opinion or thoughts on it is that uh, I need to do more research, just like I need to experiment with the 9-MEBC. Um, so stay tuned for that, maybe in the future. But for now, I would just uh, tell you, proceed with caution. It seems that the effective dose for overall nutrition or nootropic benefits, cognition and uh, oxygenation and endurance is anywhere between four to 25 milligrams but it will be better if you dose that conservative, conservatively um, because it seems that at higher dosages, uh, daily use, especially with months in duration, that your hematocrit and robust count might actually drop quite dramatically. So be forewarned. Yeah, be forewarned. Okay, next one. Octavian. One second. Oh. Almost made a typo there. There we go. Octavian asks, is it worth to use melatonin and glutathione? Yes. Okay, next question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's good for sleep quality and both are very potent antioxidants. Um, so, uh, you know, we're subjecting ourselves to enough oxidative stress. And if you're not doing anything oxidative, then all you have to do is watch the news or listen to some people on social media. And then, uh, yeah, you're already stressed and, and in a you know, pro-oxidant environment. So please, Octavian, laugh out loud. Take your melatonin, 3 to 10 milligrams before bed, and take your glutathione, 600 milligrams to 1,800 milligrams once to three times a week. And otherwise, look into NAC, right, with the glycine. So you get maximum glutathione production. All right, Octavian's flooding a chat. Let's let's ask this. Ask uh, Nandrolone versus Tren. What is more toxic? Um, I would say Trembolone. Yeah, I would say Trembolone. Yeah, yeah. Instagram is going wild right now. One person will make 500 posts on Instagram, uh, and that's all the examples that you need uh, why Trembolone is toxic, and Nandrolone isn't. Um, because if we have to, if we have to put a face to these drugs, we have uh, Tyan uh, Nandrolone and uh, Vicky uh, for the Trembolone, and I would say that uh, the Trembolone with that face highly toxic. Ooh. that's why I haven't touched Trembolone in eight years, but I have touched Nandrolone in a moderate dose, and I'm uh, in a very good mood. Has the coach ever got in a fight? Wanted to ask this question. Um, online fights don't count, right? So the last time I was in a fight was in Holland. Man, what was this? It's been over 15 years. 
I've got no, no, it's not true. I got it almost into a fight at the Muscle Factory one time because some weird Thai guy showed up with a, a, a camera and he started filming the gym and he walked right into my set and then I lost my freaking mind because um, he that guy gave me the creeps. So yeah, we had a little bit of an altercation there and uh, you know an exchange of words, um, but that was the last altercation I ever got in. I'm usually a pretty peaceful guy, but you know, just don't interrupt my sets when I'm doing the full stack. And uh, you're the kind of guy that gives everybody the creeps. So yeah, shit happens. But that was, I think that was the last time. It wasn't really a fight though. It was just verbal abuse, very verbal. Uh, let's go over to the questions on YouTube. I hate that nobody has a username anymore on YouTube, but I get why they do it because the amount of fake accounts on YouTube, nuts. All right, Jacob asks, hey Steve, my blood urine nitrogen is slowly increasing while my, while my creatinine and cystadency are looking good. I'm currently using one, 1100 milligrams of testosterone per week, 500 milligrams of mestrone per week, 20 milligrams pharma anivar every day. I like this. And I ate 1.25 grams protein per pound of body weight. So let's say you're, three, no, you're not 300 pounds, but let's say you're 250 pounds. You're eating, what, 325? Uh, is that correct? Let me whip out the calculator. 50 times 1.25. 312.5. Oh, that's the exact dose of testosterone I used to be on when I did one ampular test. Um, yeah, so let's say you're eating uh, uh, 310 grams of protein if you're 250 pounds. So that's pretty normal for a guy your size. Do you know why my blood urine nitrogen has been steadily increasing over the last three months? Increased protein metabolism within the liver. So now what you need to do to bring your breath... What you need to do to bring your blood urea nitrogen down is increase your carbohydrate and fat intake because you're getting increased protein metabolism because you're now probably not eating enough calories and now your body is starting to metabolize amino acids for energy in the liver and thus creating a lot of ammonia which is blood urea nitrogen right so uh, increase your protein intake or increase your carb and fat intake and you'll see that your blood urea nitrogen goes down or maybe you're not drinking enough water. All right, blood urea nitrogen is very dependent on hydration, uric acid as well. Hydration, 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 just like location, 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 and blood work, blood work, blood work, right? Get the hydro. I mean, guys, this will change your life, especially if it's this bottle from the most anabolic gym in Thailand, Muscle Factory. And start drinking some water. All right, next one. Load that in. Uh, uh, make it look good. Filippo's Jim asks, Hey Steve, I have the typical uh, pip. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't read it. Post-injection pain. Um, Filippo's Jim has the typical post-injection pain with Prima Volum. I don't have any of that, so underground lab? Anybody? Uh, I therefore injected it every two days despite the anodate ester to reduce the injection volume and thus the post-injection pain. Does that make 
since despite being an anthate ester. So uh, Prima Bolin, if it's a high concentration, 200 milligrams for one milliliter, might give you some post-injection pain. Um, everybody that ever talked to that around 200 milligrams for one milliliter methanolone anthate being Prima Bolin, got post-injection pain, whether that's in MCT oil or grapeseed oil or a combination of grapeseed and ethylolate or whatever else they use nowadays, uh, everybody gets post-injection pain. So if that's the case, 200 milligrams for one milliliter, uh, either dilute that down or switch brands and go to 100 milligrams for one milliliter. I have never ever in my life gotten problems or post-injection pain with Bayer Remabolin, which is methanolone anethate at a concentration of 100 milligrams for one milliliter, bro. But I totally get it. Those ampules are now what, $25? And it's a little bit too steep for me. I will say that. Not that I can't afford it, but, you know, there's only so much I wish to spend on a single ampule of Prima Bolin. And I'm not doing any contest preps anytime soon. So um, I would rather either homebrew my own Prima Bolin and MCT oil at 100 milligrams for one milliliter or uh, just take more tests. Right. But that's my preference uh, because test is best and Prima Bolin is second. Um, so yeah, regarding the post-injection pain, uh, change the brands, change the concentration, and with a little bit of luck, um, you know, your glutes will be a lot less sore. And otherwise, you just need to stop going to the prison where you get sore glutes also. I can't, I, I have no, uh, I have no recommendations for sore glutes. <laughs> if you got locked up. Oh, I like this. There we go. This, this question starts off good. About three, three pages. Uh, this is from Co Caught Dog Styles. Hey, Legend Steve. Love it. Started my first ever cycle, age 29. Man, you're late to the party. Even later than I was. He's 175 centimeters, 75 kilos. Okay, you might need to go on cycle, yes. <laughs> it's a bit light. <laughs> I was 88 kilos when I did my first cycle, but I was, you know, a little bit chunky. So hopefully you're shredded. Uh, testosterone anethate, 200 milligrams per week. Uh, injections Monday, Wednesday, Friday. With HCG, 250 IUs Monday, Friday. Do those in between your testosterone injections. So you do that Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. One day test, one day HCG, test, HCG, test, HCG. And Sunday we rest, right? Unless you're of a different relation than Christian. Um, all bloods pre-cycle in healthy range. Bloods four week in total testosterone 1700 because you're not so heavy. So that level will actually come down the more muscle mass you uh, put on, uh, right? Because the more muscle mass you have, the more androgen receptors you have, and thus the more amount of blood uh, or the more amount of testosterone from your blood is ending up in skeletal muscle and potentiating its effects. Uh, free 530 dial 81 okay so you need some aromatized inhibition shbg 19 okay that's not too bad right it will probably come down uh, the longer you use test especially if you bring your estradiol levels down progesterone three nanomoles per liter um not sure if that's low prolactin 200 that's on a range to 400 dha sulfate so you gotta keep in mind guys there's different reference ranges for different concentrations and i don't know them off the top of my head for all the different concentrations. So, um, yeah. So far, so I would say that the estradiol is high. <laughs> your SHBG is getting a little bit low, and your testosterone is great. Um, DHEA 8.6, IGF 158. Okay, that's not bad. No best major estradiol side effects, slightly itchy nipples, 
occasionally should I use an AI? Um, I have generic aromacin from a pharmacy on hand. What dose and what frequency? 12.5 milligrams Monday, Friday, done. That will be my recommendation. Recheck again in four weeks. See where your serum estradiol is at and where your SHBG is at. And if your SHBG crashed uh, quite a bit, again, with the HCG dose going up to 250 IOs three times per week, it should kind of balance each other out. Uh, but it could be that increasing the HCG will bring your estradiol levels up even more. And thus you need more aromacin. But you have generic aromacin. I'm not sure how potent that is. You don't have any issues with uh, an estradiol of 81 picogram per milliliter. And um, if you have access to blood work and you can do that frequently, then, you know, a, a small adjustment and giving that four weeks for retesting it again. And all you need to do is go in for your serum estradiol and your SHBG and maybe your lipids. You don't need to check your testosterone, your free, your bioavailable, your progesterone, your prolactin. Uh, unless it's very, very high, but I think milli I use goes up to 400. Um, some, yeah, and my sincere apologies if that's incorrect. Um, you know, I go with nanograms per milliliter on, on some of these or nanomoles, right? My bad. Um, so please uh, include the ranges next time <laughs> and uh, and then make appropriate adjustments, you know, or ask me four weeks from now on the vigorous Q&A with the ranges included. And then I can, uh, you know, service your question better. Another question from Philip's gym. How's the audio quality so far, by the way? I've been messing with this microphone for 30 minutes before every recording, uh, but I can't seem to get it right. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Uh, Philippe's Jim asks, hey Steve, does injecting into scar tissue resulting from frequent injections decrease the uptake of the injection steroid or does it matter? So it might prolong the active life and the half-life because scar tissue is, um, you know, poor, poor circulation of the uh, lipases that have to break down the carrier oil cannot enter this depot or at the surrounding area of the depot, right? Because it's uh, basically, you know, at the beginning it starts off as a bubble and then it kind of breaks into fat droplets. And then, you know, the surface area of the entire injection depot gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So in the beginning it has to digest it into droplets and then those droplets get smaller and smaller and smaller, but the surface area gets bigger and bigger and bigger and thus more active pharmaceutical or more uh, ester, esterified anabolic energetic steroids enters the lymphatic system in the bloodstream. So, good audio. Okay, that's good to hear. So, in the beginning, you get a little bit of a slow release and it peaks up, right? You see all those graphs the first two days. It kind of peaks regardless of esters because that's how fast the carrier oils are metabolized. And then, um, of course, it goes systemic, right? Either in SHBG or albumin. Um, but if you inject it into scar tissue, the lipases can't really get to the surface area of the injection depot as readily as injecting into fresh muscle with a lot of blood circulation. And a lot of this uh, freely liberated esterified anabolic antigenic steroid uh, doesn't now get to the lymphatic system or the bloodstream because the scar tissue is kind of inhibiting that. So what you see with your glutes, right, with repeated injections years after year, is that the injection depot takes longer and longer and longer to go away. Your serum levels go lower and lower and lower, albeit that's you know, 1%, 5% at maximum. So it's very hard to kind of see that. But also every time you stop uh, your cycle, it might take six weeks for all of the esterified steroids from your glutes to go away. Yeah, it might take six to eight weeks before your serum testosterone levels are sufficiently low enough 
um, you know, for you to start pulse psychotherapy. So uh, the more scar tissue you have, uh, you know, the slower the, uh, the, the testosterone or the esterified steroid leaves the injection depot and the lower your serum uh, concentrations will be. But the overall effect on anabolism, exactly the same. Once it's in the body, it's in the body where you do it sub-Q, um, intramuscular, fresh virgin muscle or in muscle with a ton of scar tissue. I always got the exact same response for the dose that I was taking. And I have a lot of scar tissue in my butt cheeks, even now with doing injectable glutathione every day. Yeah, my butt is not pleased. And I have two deep tissue massage therapists working on it, you know, in tandem and doing uh, DDTs on that ass. And I think that was the last question. <laughs> Let me refresh YouTube and Patreon to see if I missed anything. And otherwise, well, with three people in the vigorous crew uh, i hope you have some good questions for me to keep this going otherwise we're going to go public let's see what happens hopefully we don't freeze all right i got everything from patreon and i think i got everything from the youtube all right guys well uh yeah octavian who else is in here I can't see it though. Ask your questions, guys. We got 15 minutes left. Otherwise, I have to go public. And then it's MK677 questions again. Mm. Did anybody watch the podcast just now with uh, Paul and Chase and Todd and Colton? And uh, Colton? <laughs> Those guys are good, good people. Yeah, I know we're ripping on somebody else, but yeah, it's uh, after seven years of abusive comments. Uh, what do you expect, bro? <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> I no questions, guys. Nothing. Otherwise, I'm gonna go public. I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. Give me the green light, or give me some questions. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to put the banner up. Oh, let's, I got to edit this. Uh, oh, I don't have a banner. Well, it's from last week still. All right, here we go. The comments are coming in. I have a couple of friends who have had success running uh, Tristalone-only cycles. Okay, that's good. Tell them next week to join the Vigorous Q&A so I can highlight their personal experiences. Um, because yes, um, we would always love to see and hear what people's good response are, and then uh, we can all make better decisions going forward. I will not try mint though. I've uh, I've made the decision just to limit it myself to Primo, Anivar, and Bioidentical Hormones and a couple experiments here and there because, uh, you know, 120 kilos, even though it does sound appealing, I just don't want to put in the work. <laughs> We will see it on Chase's channel. So uh, no, I just went uh, live on Paul Barnett's channel. I think he's still live. Uh, yeah, about you know, 50 minutes ago, I was alive on the Anabolic uh, podcast. So uh, go have a look there. It should already be online. Pimpy Dingus. Or Pumpy Dingus, not Pimpy. Same, same thing, though. Sounds good. 
Uh, if you're blasting on 375 milligrams testosterone inotate for 16 weeks and cruising with 125 milligrams for 12 weeks, which you rather run 2.5 milligrams anovar every day on the blast cruise or just run it the entire time? Uh, how about we do 10 milligrams of pharma anovar uh, on the blast and 2.5 milligrams on the cruise, right? Assuming that 2.5 milligrams anovar doesn't affect your lipids so much because the cruise is there for all of your blood work parameters to come back into range and stay in range for a couple of weeks, right? So you can um, at least write it off as, uh, you know, and I was somewhat healthy and somewhat on TRT uh, for those 12 weeks until the next blast. Now, a blast of 375 milligrams testosterone inotate per week, uh, 16 weeks, and 10 milligrams anovar, I would hardly call that a blast. Um, you will have a blast. <laughs> of course, because it's three times the dose of your cruise, uh, but I would just call that a moderate cycle. Yeah, a blast is like a gram or two grams, or in case of Chase Irons, uh, four grams, or what is it, five grams, right? That's that's a proper blast. Yeah, yeah, and you will need some significant health management when that blast is over. And even then, you know, his blood work parameters are not that bad because he's just running tests and Mastron and GH. Uh, what is it? Where can we see the podcast? What podcast? It's uh, over on Anabolic Bodybuilding's channel. It's already online. We just had it an hour ago. Octavian. Uh, do you know Shredded Sports? Is that the guy that always rambles? The British guy? All right. Very uh, cynical. Yeah, I think I watched one or two of his videos, but I never really watched it. Did he talk about me? I hope not. Uh, maybe that's where all the subscribers came from. <laughs> I only follow stuff that's positive. So sometimes you see this uh, uh, come by, and I think there's another British dude, also bald. Right? But there's one who has a little bit of a skin color. I'm not exactly sure what his heritage is. I think that's shredded sports science. Uh, and then there's another British dude who's a Caucasian, like, uh, you know, pure, pure Caucasian guy, also very cynical and also very humorous. I think he's also with Gorilla Mind. Yeah, Gorilla Mind has too many uh, athletes. <laughs> Derek too diluted all right guys I think we're gonna go public all right so we can uh, let the masses join bathroom break be right back so the audio is good man if I watch this back and the audio is shit again uh, and then I'm going to be disappointed. Want to see my first meme? Yeah, post it while I go to the bathroom. And then uh, put it as your, um, you know, as your profile picture. Hopefully we can all laugh. All right. Let's open this up. For the super flood. Or super chat super flood. <laughs> Posted on Derek, more plates, more dates. All right, well, I'll check it out uh, later if I don't forget. All right, guys, be right back. I got to, you know, do the deed. Give me a second.
What is up, my vigorous ones? Is this on? Okay, it's on. All right. Yeah, bump the algo for me. Don't forget to like, guys. It's public now. Let me just quickly check my social media. Uh, all right. All right. Vigorous chat crew, exactly. Right, let me scroll up. Notification gang. Oh, finally, got somebody got a notification. <laughs> finally. I don't know what YouTube is doing, but it, it's definitely not. <laughs> what? Colton had to leave Paul's chat in a hurry because Steve was about to go public. <laughs> really? Are they still going? Those guys are good people, man. That's good people right there in that chat. Solid dudes. Yeah, I feel for Chase for wasting two hours of his life. <laughs> we should start a GoFundMe account for Chase <laughs> so he can get a little bit of a return of investment and uh, go de-stress somewhere. All right. Hey, I also got a notification. All right, that's good. All right, guys. Uh, get those questions going. Why am I just now getting a notification of the stream? Well, we just started, right? I just went public. Uh, and I'm five minutes ahead, so. Ah, here we go. All right, here we go. Now we get some questions here. Alex Lara. What's up, Steve? What's up, Alex? Believe it or not, I spent about two to three hours uh, per day studying your content to add on knowledge. So one day I can be a, a damn good coach and make it to the Olympia without killing myself. Uh, be a good coach, but you don't have to go to the Olympia. Um, that's only for a select few and most people will have to kill themselves or never even get there. But you can be in the audience with me enjoying the show and it's probably a lot more comfortable. And I will say that uh, being a good coach is probably also more lucrative and better on your mental well-being than being a competitor. Trust me. I've coached a decent amount of competitors in the time I was still coaching. So yeah, learn as much as you can, make it your own, and start banking on it. Really, start banking on it, uh, because that's why I put the content out, so you can make some money for yourself also. Because I can't possibly service everybody anymore, plus I've had to increase the rates again, otherwise I would be um, yeah on the phone for four hours per day. Now luckily it's only one and a half hours. Uh, all right, let me see what else. Let's see, D Street. Why do some guys like me have no problem uh, getting wife uh, pregnant on cycle? Well, not everybody loses their fertility, neither did I. You know, in the beginning, my the first time I checked my fertility levels was... And I can't remember, but, you know, I was already a couple of years on cycle. And by that time, my morphology and motility was not so good anymore. But my uh, total semen count, right, 22, 25, 20, sometimes 19 million per milliliter if I was on testosterone-only cycles. Of course, if I were to add in Trimbolone, I would be at the, you know, the bottom of the range because of the progestogenic activity. But a lot of people are not azospermic, dude not azospermic <laughs> so that's why something like testosterone replacement therapy or um you know tristolone um as a fertility or as a contraceptive is not that beneficial or it's not that effective because not everybody gets into a state where they have zero sperm in their semen 
Um, so yeah, you can get your wife pregnant, but it's better to come off. And I just wanted to see how high my testosterone levels or my, how high my fertility levels would be after coming off. Um, you know, off, off with the fertility medication. So I could give everybody uh, some hope, which I think I did with the last video. Um, yeah, ovulation is coming soon. So who knows? Maybe we'll have some good news faster than expected. Nathan. Greetings from Belfast. What's up in the Belfast is Ireland, UK at least. <laughs> Thoughts on AC262 SARM. Um, I've never used it and I have no interest in using it. Uh, so those two pounds are, um, you know, just a donation for me to highlight your name. But <laughs> I have no, guys, I'm not the guy to ask for SARMs. I don't like SARMs. They didn't pass clinical trials. Um, if you can get AC262, um, then you can probably also get Anivar, right? So go with some Anivar instead, or go with some Teranobol. Then you can also do some research in PubMed regarding the positive and negative effects, which if you want to do research on AC262, uh, you have to go to Tony Huge, and that's only anecdotal experience, and uh, you know, in the context of promoting SARM, so there might be some bias there. Uh, you know, Tony, I love you, but you're biased towards your own products, let's be honest. Right? Just like I'm biased for Gorilla Minds, but at least with the ingredients from Gorilla Minds, you can go to PubMed and do the research for yourself so you know that they're going to work. So yeah, AC262, uh, just stick with Anivar. That is my opinion about it. All right, scroll down a little bit. Roberts, if being on a high amount of testosterone caused azospermia, we would all be juiced to the gills, male birth control. Yeah, so, you know, even when I was running pretty high doses of testosterone, I wasn't azospermic. I've, I've seen so many fertility parameters of men on cycle, not azospermic. Is their morphology low? Yes. Is their motility low? Yes. But they still have sperm in their semen, albeit that they're not strong swimmers, right? So ideally you come off, you reduce your oxidative stress, you uh, make sure that the testicular temperature is a little bit lower than otherwise normal because again, being on cycle increases your body temperature, including uh, testicular temperature, which is not good for um, semen parameters and overall fertility. So ideally you come off for low oxidative stress and a normal body temperature. And then your fertility parameters, as I've proven, uh, come up. But I started my fertility protocol um, well, a year before I came off cycle, right? So I'm, I've already been running ACG for over one and a half years, maybe two years at this point, right? So uh, the longer you stay in ACG and the longer you have testicular function, the better, I would say. Brent, since using Trend, I had low libido even after coming off. How to correct this? Um, you're probably used to having very high dopamine levels, which regulates your libido so if you can go on something that increases your dopamine levels like tyrosine or vitamin b6 p5p or l-dopamine and vitamin b6 p5p or uh, modafinil which has some dopaminergic effects or some other uh, you know dopaminergic uh, compounds that might help but sometimes this dopaminergic effect that you get from trembolone and the uh, you know the lowered sensitivity to dopamine uh, that might be longer lasting. You might need to do a dopamine detox before your libido actually comes back. And it might be that, um, you know, your prolactin levels are still elevated because your trembolone is high or you're completely shut down and your PCT wasn't uh, uh, successful. So, right, there's a multitude of things you can look into. Um, ideally, you go in for blood work and then see what is wrong 
Right? Maybe your prolactin is high. Maybe your testosterone is low. Maybe your estradiol is all over the place. Uh, of course, there's no uh, serum marker for dopamine, or most markers, most um, most labs don't have that. But you know, then you can look into your DHEA and pregnenolone, uh, which help with uh, you know some neurotransmitter levels as well. And otherwise, you can always supplement with L-tyrosine or vitamin B6, B5B, and uh, get your dopamine levels up that way. Maybe you just need to go on holiday. You know, relax a little bit. All right, let's scroll through. That's true, Steve. Bro, I just found it promising and it seems to not have much effect on biomarkers. Yeah, that's what all the what all these people say about SARMs and then I see the blood work and all the biomarkers are off. So don't drink the Kool-Aid when it comes to the biomarkers and SARMs. And, you know, if the biomarkers didn't change much, they used the SARMs for their selective androgen receptor dose, not the dose that bodybuilders use, selective androgen receptor modulators or uh, selective dose dependently. So if you go over two or five or seven milligrams of a SARM, um, you still have, or below that dose, you still have uh, androgen receptor sensitivity on skeletal muscle, but then you go over it and then you lose sensitivity and then it goes to the androgen receptors or maybe other, um, you know, um, steroid receptors like the progesterone receptor or the glucocorticoid receptor or the estrogen receptor, right, in other tissues. You can use nabivalol as an example. Nabivalol is selective up to 10 milligrams for the beta adrenergic receptors. Uh, for the, what is it, beta 1? Don't quote me on this. <laughs> and then when you go over 10 milligram, it starts to block the other beta receptors. So there's a dose-dependent selectivity. And it's the same with SARMs. So again, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Just go with Anivar, which is selective for your androgen receptor everywhere and potentiates good effects everywhere, besides on your lipids. All right, Dr. Deltz. Steve, how uh, are my 200 milligrams testosterone placement therapy numbers? Uh, bloods after six weeks. Total testosterone, 2,846 nanograms per deciliter. I love it. Probably the day after your administration. Free T, 98. SHBG, 12. Yeah, that's a little bit on the low side. Lipids, fine, except E2 is 96. Prolactin is 16.4. Okay, so that's not too high. Take one milligrams of Arimidex uh, to counter. So you might need to increase your uh, Arimidex dose or, you know, I don't know what your injection uh, frequency is. Maybe daily micro-administrations might be better for you. So instead of, uh, uh, you know, one shot or two shots a week, you go to daily uh, micro, um, you know, daily subcutaneous micro-administrations and maybe bring your estradiol levels down a little bit more. Unless you're already doing that, uh, maybe Arimidex dose is... Um, I would say, you know, an estradiol of 96 is very representative of the dose of testosterone in your serum testosterone levels, which are, you know, 2.8 times out of the reference range. And your estradiol is two times out of the reference range. So maybe check your estradiol or your arimidex to see if that's even legit. Are you doing daily micro-administrations? Yeah. So he's already doing that. Uh, so I, I would say that your uh, arimidex might not be as legit as you think you are. Right? Or you're a higher aromatizer, that could be the case also. Maybe your zinc levels are not sufficient. Maybe your body fat levels are too high. Um, you know, so look, look into multiple different things and then, uh, you know, make the right adjustments. But for now, I would say that your Arimidex dose is too low, but your Arimidex might also not be um, Arimidex. It might just be, um, you know, carbohydrate binders 
and uh, a little bit of um, you know coding, not containing any aromidex because your estradiol levels certainly don't look like you're on one milligrams of aromidex per week. All right, Kratos. Does berberine lower IGF-1 and other growth factors? Yes, it does, but not to the extent that metformin does. And berberine potentially has some D-peptidyl peptidase type 4 uh, enzyme inhibiting effects and thus keeps IGF-1 active for longer. That's why I prefer berberine over metformin because, again, if berberine with its speculated DP, uh, D, DP, yeah, DP effects, double penetration, baby, D-peptidyl peptidase type 4 inhibiting effects uh, might prevent the metabolism of IGF-1, insulin, epidermal growth factor, EPO, growth hormone releasing hormone. That's not the actual growth hormone, but the growth hormone releasing hormone, which then uh, you know tells the pituitary to release growth hormone because growth hormone technically is not a um, growth factor. So um, yeah, I would go with uh, berberine and then check your serum IGF-1 levels before and after and see if they change. But I haven't really seen anybody see their IGF-1 levels go down notably by taking uh, 500 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams of berberine per day. But a metformin, 500 milligrams before bed? Oh, man. Double-digit IGF-1 levels. Cortex Labs, what's up? Ryan, how are you doing, man? Hope you're well. Brother, the literature suggests HCG and intertesticular aromatase is somewhat resistant to aromatized inhibitors. Um, yeah, so apparently uh, testosterone and aromatized inhibitors can't enter the testicles. But if you go on a high enough dose of testosterone, you see that your spermatogenesis actually goes up to the point it looks like you're on HCG. Uh, again, you would, you know, serum, uh, let's say, um, fluid, no? <laughs> How do you say this? Uh, concentrations of testosterone in all of the tissues of the body can be so high if you're running a gram or two grams a test, but nobody's running two grams of an aromatized inhibitor, right? That's like one, two, maybe four milligrams of arimidex aromacin uh, that much, or aromacin maybe 100 milligrams per week, you know, but you're running uh, testosterone in the gram range and the concentration is now so high that some of this testosterone can actually enter the testicles and activate the Sertoli cells into spermatogenesis, just like HCG does um, through the luteinizing hormone receptor. That's a luteinizing hormone chorionic gonadotropin receptor. Uh, how much additional E2 in your experience does 250 versus 500 IU dose of HCG generally produce? Uh, there's studies on that, actually, where you see the levels of testosterone and estradiol mapped to the dose of HCG. You should be able to find that, uh, Ryan. Uh, but I can't remember off the top of my head. What I do remember is that the sweet spot for intertesticular testosterone production seems to be between 250 to 300 IUs um, HCG every day, I believe. So 500 IUs comes, every other day comes close to that. And again, don't quote me, it's been a while since I read that study. Um, but there was a, a turnoff point where more HCG just um, increases uh, estradiol levels but then fertility also comes up to a similar extent. So it seems that the sweet spot of HCG is, for fertility purposes, is 1,000 IUs every other day or even every day with recombinant FSH. You see that testosterone goes up to a certain point, but then estradiol starts to increase. This proportion leads you to the aromatase enzyme expression and activity within the testicles. Uh, but if you're solely going after maintaining testicular function for adequate testosterone and estradiol levels, then it seems to be that I think 250 to 300 IOs every other day or every day. Again, I can't really remember. 
um, seems to be uh, the sweet spot. And otherwise, uh, do your blood work before and after and see how it changes, right? That's always the best indication of what's going on in your body because the studies say one thing, but the blood work might say something completely different. Right? I hope you're well. Kratos. Hey, Steve. So if I'm taking a thousand milligrams berberine, would you suggest taking it all at once or split the dose uh, evening and pre-bed? Yeah, I would split it morning and evening because, you know, you don't need that much berberine in one go um i would just match it to your food and uh you know split it out over the day so you kind of overlap the half-life right all right where are we yeah i, re I remember talking about it on the bio bros the latest one from the beginning of this year uh which uh, took four months to release, <laughs> unfortunately. But I, I think Derek pulled it up somewhere. It might be in the comment section. Might have linked it there somewhere, because um, Derek found the paper on you know what the turnover is. And I remember reading that. I might have even reviewed that that paper in one of the ATG videos. But I've made so many videos about ATG, I can't really remember. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can pull it up, and then at the end of uh, this uh, vigorous Q and I'll link it at the bottom. All right, here we go. Jay Joff. Hey, Steve, what do you think about uh, resuvastatin as resuvastatin calcium cholesterol 10 milligram uh, per day when uh, using the cruising and with light test masterone and blast? If you need it after taking azetamibe and citrus bergamot and berberine and fish oil and daily fasted cardio, um, after all of that, most people don't need it. But if you still need it, then yeah, start with a low dose and and you know see see if see if it's required. Uh, do your blood work first. Of course, it's it's cool to bring your um, lipid levels down, right? Because of all those longevity papers. But you know you need a little bit of cholesterol for a cell membrane uh, isolation. A large part of the cell membrane is actually cholesterol, guys. So don't bring it down too low, because otherwise. Um, you know, you might impair recovery. And this is the reason why a lot of the statins um, give you muscle soreness, right? Or, or cause issues with uh, your skin or, uh, you know, other other problems. So again, I would put in the statins as a last resort. And if you're really like last light test, Mastron, Anivar, uh, even if it's a blast of two grams, I, I don't see why you need it if you do everything else properly, right? Do the practices first. And then and only then see if you need a statin, right? So that's daily fasted cardio, eating a healthy diet, fish oil with each meal, citrus bergamot morning and evening, uh, berberine before bed, 500 milligrams, and then maybe a zetamibe. And I don't see a reason why you would need to receive a statin, honestly. Honestly. I've seen a lot of blood work in my days. Rainy science and tech. High estradiol, 92. I'm assuming that's picograms per milliliter. And low SHBG, 6.1. Uh, on a Trimbalone, 50 milligrams every day. Test Anivar and Mastrone, 50 milligrams every day. So it's 50 milligrams every day of everything. Uh, how to manage it? The value of 9 of high-sensitive C-reactive protein uh, due to post-injection pain and swelling. So I think that currency is Indian. Right? I could be mistaken here. Um, but if you're using Indian products, um, just stop doing it because all the underground labs produced in India are absolutely terrible, horrendous, horseshit products. Even if they have uh, anti-counterfeit stickers and zero codes and all that shit, all the carrier oils of Indian produced products, trash. Trash. So, 
you're a high inflammatory state your serum estradiol levels are this high because the oil is so thin that everything gets absorbed right away after the injection um so please start sourcing pharmaceutical testosterone throw everything you have currently in the trash and then your estradiol will come back into range your c-reactive protein will come back into range in a week or two and the post-injection pain and the swelling will go away and once it's all away you can look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself oh my god steve saved my life in the long run i promise you you're not using any indian products all right so what are you using then what are you using you still have to throw it in the trash because your crp is absolutely abysmal get some pharmaceutical grade right your body's clearly rejecting what you're doing um so you know i'm using bayer testovarin okay what about the trend what about the masterone right, what else are you using that's probably a brand that I have in the spam filter <laughs> anyway your blood work tells me exactly what's going wrong so please uh treat your body with respect get that crp level down your estradiol will kind of balance itself out and uh you know over time you'll feel 10 times better and your cardiovascular issues will be gone kratos is using lentus once a day enough to keep background insulin levels elevated uh yes 24 hours or splitting the dose would be more effective currently taking 30 ius daily so you know, I think over 25 IUs might be better to split it up, but it highly depends on your personal experience and what your, um, you know, uh, blood glucose levels are upon waking, in between meals, uh, before the workout, after the workout, before going to bed, right? You need to keep adequate track of all of your blood work parameters uh, over the day. Keep a glucose log of how everything is changing on 30 IUs lines per day. And then maybe you split it, you know, if everything's going well. Maybe you split it uh, 25 IUs upon waking and 10 IU, uh, 5 IUs before bed. Or maybe 20 in the morning, 10 before bed. But it really depends on what you eat uh, before bed um, to see if that's even required. And I would say that most people don't need that. But I did mention it in the insulin ebook Because some people, they, um, you know, they like a lower dosage for better glucose management, uh, you know, over the day. So they don't have to eat so much. But then before bed, they have, uh, you know, quite a substantial meal. This is all in the context of uh, doing an off-season. And then in the middle of the night, they also have a liquid meal, right, to keep their blood glucose levels elevated. They have a timer and they do everything right. But it really depends on your dedication. Um, and you, you might have to look into that, you know. But, you know, consult the insulin ebook. It's all explained there in the depth. It's 130 pages of in-depth information. And it's only 100 bucks. Um, so if you can afford a pen of Lantus or a kit of Lantus, you can also afford the insulin ebook. It's about the same cost. Yeah, but it does stay elevated for 24 hours. So you technically you can take the dose in the morning and walk away. Uh, but some people prefer twice a day. Yeah, or some people like uh, Lantus in the morning and then, you know, another 5 to 10 units uh, Umalog fast-acting insulin, um, you know, pre-workout with a hefty pre-workout and intra-workout shake. Depends on your level of development. Rob, yo, <laughs> yo, Rob, just competed, uh, completed week two of the Aberrain testosterone anathate, 0.3 milliliters, 75 milligrams, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Do you remember at what week you first noticed the effects uh, of at what? At, at 26. First notice any effects at 20, you mean the age of 26. 
from what I've seen between week three to six can be a go. I know, I noticed it within the first two weeks. So, of course, your dose is, uh, what, it's 225 milligrams per week, right? So you're doing almost a full ampule per week. Yeah, I would say at week two you would feel it. Uh, but keep in mind, Abu Rayyan, unfortunately, has some fakes out there. Um, so, you know, if you're not sure, just going for blood work, see how high your testosterone levels are. On 225 milligrams uh, testosterone ended per week, you should be super physiological, right? So... Uh, when in doubt, uh, consult with your uh, blood work parameters and, uh, and otherwise just wait a little bit longer, you know, but I, I noticed it within week two already. Yeah. Yeah. Remember kids, steroids start to work as soon as you inject them, but the full effects might not be noticeable, uh, within two weeks or four weeks. And if you don't know what to pay attention to, then yeah, it might take a while, but every time I go on cycle again after being off for a long time, after five days, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll and kick some ass and chew bubble gum. And I have both the gum and the kicking ass. Z, is it worth the time to buy all the netty test boosters and maxing out HPTA if you already have a total test of 900 nanograms per deciliter and a free test of 24 nanograms per deciliter? Uh, and if so, how much of an increase would you guess? No, no. Don't waste your time <laughs> because from 900 to 1100, you won't even notice a difference. It will look cool on paper. I'm super physiological with, uh, you know, Gorilla Mind Sigma and you know, icing my testicles and this and that. Um, but the overall anabolism will not change. The overall results and the strength and the libido and all that stuff, it will not change at all. Um, HCG monotherapy might get you to 1500 nanograms per deciliter, and that's, you know, over a 50% increase, 150%, that you will notice. But from a testosterone booster, I, I, I highly doubt you'll feel anything. I highly doubt it, right? Unless the testosterone is not getting to the androgen receptor, and you need a little bit of uh, zinc and selenium and uh, carnitine to help with androgen receptor sensitivity and turnover and gene transcription, all that good stuff. And then maybe that will be beneficial. But for that, you can just buy selenium and zinc and uh, carnitine. So don't overcomplicate it. If you're 900, then you're uh, naturally, then you already uh, kicked everybody as, uh, else's ass in the chat, including mine. I'm 600, uh, you know, 650, something like that. And uh, yeah, I need to take copious amounts of HCG to get that. All right, Matt, do you have a preference between using your himbine or revulsine during a cut? What At what dosages would you recommend? How far would you add them into the protocol? I would use revulsine because it seems that the side effects, the jittery, the anxiety, the sweating is a little bit less with revulsine compared to Yohimbine. Now, I do know that Yohimbine has higher re receptor uh, affinity compared to a revulsine, but from my personal experience, three milligrams uh, Yohimbine versus three milligrams revulsine potentiate similar effects regarding fat loss, especially from the lower back, if everything else is on point, right? So if you um, take three milligrams either or before fasted cardio, and you do that over eight weeks, 12 weeks, you see that your lower back gets faster than without using Yohimbine or revulsine. But with the revulsine, most people experience less side effects, less of this jittery and anxiety and cold sweats compared to Yohimbine. But technically on paper, based on the androgen, uh, based on the alpha uh, receptor, what is it, alpha, alpha one? Alpha, <laughs> alpha one, <laughs> I think. Alpha receptor uh, blockade. Uh, Yohimbine seems to be a little bit more potent compared to revulsine. But maybe that's where the side effects are coming from. 
Results wise, three milligrams is three milligrams. I would say that the results are pretty much the same. If you go with Gorilla Mind, don't forget to use my code Vigorous for the Alpha Johimban, other so known as Revolsin. Lake Giants is 20 grams fat from eggs, something I need to avoid when insulin is in my system. I use Novolin before breakfast, don't want to get fat. Um, depends if it's, uh, you know, omega 3 rich fats or, uh, you know, shitty eggs with a ton of saturated fat. Uh, I would avoid it, man. Yeah, I would just avoid it because, you know, fats from eggs also slows down digestion. So let's say you have eggs, whole eggs. You get 20 grams of fat, so that's what, four or five whole eggs? And then rice, right? all this fat coming from the egg will now slow down the breakdown and the absorption of the rice. And then the novelin might not even um, match your carbohydrates, or the carbohydrates might enter your system too slow to the point you go hypo. So I would just have, um, you know, maybe a little bit of beef to kind of slow the digestion that way. And then have some egg whites and maybe some chicken, right? Get a couple different protein sources in, throw in a little bit of rice and maybe a little bit of fruit, half a banana. Keep your fat intake low, take the Novolin, go to the gym, kick some ass. And then uh, you can have your eggs before bed because before bed, you have this healthy fat in your system for recovery overnight. Uh, that's the whole eggs, 20 grams of fat that you might want to take still later in the day without insulin in the picture. Now you have a slow trickle, a slow digestion due to the fat content of this last meal overnight. So now you get the amino acids overnight, nice and slow, minimal gluconeogenesis, more recovery. And now you can put those eggs to work the next day when they're already fully absorbed and turn into either intramuscular triglycerides or... Uh, more muscle tissue for uh, you know better strength in the gym so that's how i would do it if you take insulin in the morning you take your fats before bed all right next one we're at the super chat super flood already hey steve best supplement to protect during a trend cycle um and taking 50 milligrams every other day all blood work looks good but liver ultrasound showed minimal accumulation of fat uh, that's normal every uh, every uh, liver and the planet has a little bit of uh, fat accumulation so uh going to compete in seven weeks so you're in a you know a, a caloric deficient state and the f whatever fat is extra within your liver will slowly go away because you're in a caloric uh, restrictive state and dieting and probably minimal fat intake also so don't worry about it, it will take care of itself 500 milligrams tatka per day 250 milligrams in the morning 250 milligrams in the evening 2000 milligrams nac with the glycine so that's a thousand milligrams nac and maybe 1000 2000 milligrams glycine in the morning and again in the evening um i would say maybe uh well what is it called man well just just fiber over your day right so you don't uh, reabsorb some of this um bowel acids that you're secreting so you can actually have the bowel acids with the toxins and the metabolic waste products etc that you're trying to defoxify not uh, enter into the enterohepatic recirculation so you're reabsorbing all these toxins now the fiber and the vegetables are you know taking all of that out of your body and then uh i think that's enough yeah i think that's enough you know you can do injectable glutathione which is a good antioxidant for your liver but of course, that won't really protect against Tren uh, that much. Uh, I would look into Astragalus root extract uh, rather for your kidney health, right? A citrus bergamot for your lipids, uh, berberine for your insulin sensitivity, 
And, um, you know, if your blood work parameters all look good, then, you know, it seems that you're utilizing this trend sufficiently and not uh, taking a worse toll on your health. But everybody has a little bit of fat in the liver. That's just normal with the organ. If you see high alkalosanicity and the, the ultrasound looks like a giant blur, then yeah, you got a problem. <laughs> you might need to diet longer than seven weeks to get your non-alcoholic fatty liver resolved. Trust me, I've been there. Ah, here you go. I got my aberrain from AP, so I know it's good. I can't remember what the question was, though, about AP. Um, <laughs> I already answered 10 questions in the meantime. So if, if it's real, right, then, uh, yeah, I guess it's good. You just need to wait a little bit longer than two weeks, uh, maybe. And otherwise, again, going for blood work to see how much of an effect you're getting. Jay Joff, yeah, I thought exactly the same. My doctor suggested it even uh, though my cholesterol is not very five. Five was the upper limit. My total was 5.3. So total cholesterol is 5.3 nanomoles per uh, liter, right? No, I don't think that's too high. And if you're on cycle, it's just part of the game. You know, look at it was Edemib instead. All right, here we go. Raymond. Great video. Did, did Tyne send you? <laughs> Great video with Tyne Clark. Can I you do a part two? Uh, yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah, usually it's better to wait like six months in between podcast collaborations or maybe even one year because sometimes you do podcast collaborations back to back and then the, you know, the second one doesn't get so many views. And, you know, whether you do them a month apart or six months apart, the discussion is usually the same. So we'd rather get a lot of views. So Tyne can get a lot of, uh, you know, followers and content and perhaps some consultation requests from our collaboration. And I can get the views and get to the sweet AdSense money. But yeah, there will be a part two because Tyne Clark is uh, very nice, very good to talk to, very respectful, very knowledgeable. I like that guy. He's got some own uh, unique ideas, some of which I don't agree with. But we always come to terms and uh, make it a good discussion point. So uh, there will be a part two. But when? Uh, I don't know. I think um, Dr. Dean St. Martz is due for a part two. Right. I'll reach out to him after this podcast uh, because he already reached out to me two weeks ago. But then, you know, unfortunately, Joe passed and I wasn't really um, up for it because I had uh, obligations to my friends. So maybe next week. Let's see. Austin, dealing with isolated uh, systolic hypertension, 25 years old, 6.2, lifetime naturating, 10K steps a day, weighs 240 pounds. Is weight loss the only answer? Yeah, that could be. But it could also be that, you know, your heart is simply not functioning correctly because you're not on top of your tori, not on top of your ubiquinol, not on top of your electrolytes. So do that simultaneously where you're already, um, you know, trying to get your weight loss under control. And maybe you have undiagnosed sleep apnea. It's very common to have, you know, some sort of hypertension as well. And if you're 250 pounds, 6'2", you're 25 years old, maybe you have sleep apnea. You know, so again, watch that sleep apnea video. I have uh, how to self-diagnose that. All you have to do is type in sleep apnea or CPAP. You should get several videos on my YouTube channel. See if there's something going on by recording yourself in the middle of the night right, with your laptop. And then you just simply go through the timeline of the audio. And if you see any peaks, that means that you're waking up gasping for air, but you might not remember it. Right? Or you're just snoring very, very loudly. And then you can watch the video back. You don't have to watch the eight hours. Just go by the peaks in the audio track. Um, and otherwise, again, watch my mitochondrial support stack video where I discuss taurine intake and ubiquinol intake and electrolyte intake. And that way, maybe you can get your uh, hypertension under control and you don't need to lose any weight. 
you know, so 20, 240 pounds at your height is not that heavy. Um, unless it's a lot of fat. Then, of course, you know, to uh, with that height, 25 years old being the prime of your life, spread that prime around, get into shape, get to 225 pounds, which is very pussy pulling, especially at that height. And then I give in a couple of good pumps for uh, Uncle Steve. Yeah. Just don't think about me. But after the deed, you're like, yeah, Steve, I, I, you know, I did the nasty in your name. Just don't picture me when you're doing it. <laughs> Straight to jail. Eden, hey, Steve, how long uh, would you wait after your last serum dose to get blood work done to check if you were uh, had a successful PCT? Love the deep dives. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. All the girls love the deep dives. Uh, I would wait four weeks, right? Four weeks off the selective estrogen receptor modulators because um, tamoxifen and clomid have a close to a month detection time. And those are some of the metabolites, but some of the metabolites of clomid and tamoxifen or a raloxifene and enclomiphene, whatever you choose to use uh, for your PCT, they're longer lasting. So they might still, you know, keep your HPTA going. So I would wait a month, maybe six weeks before you go in for blood work, then see where your total testosterone, free testosterone, bioavailable testosterone, estradiol, SHBG, DHA sulfate, and your luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone is at. Do a semen analysis while you're at it, even though most of that semen might have still been produced on cycle. If you're good, Wait three months, do another semen analysis, see if they came back, see if your testosterone levels are still sufficient. And otherwise, you might need off longer. And even if your testosterone levels came back to um, comparable where they were before you did your cycle, because you have more muscle mass, and now you've been uh, driving at 100 kilometers per hour, whereas drug-free you were only at 50 kilometers per hour, going back to 50 kilometers per hour feels goddamn slow. Ugh. Yeah, that's the boat I am in right now. <laughs> 660 nanograms per deciliter doesn't feel the same as when i was 26 years old dude <laughs> it doesn't feel the same at all it feels like i'm 300 yeah and my body composition is uh, certainly the worst right now don't worry i'm uh, back in the game train soon yo steve when will bible be back uh don't count on it <laughs> don't count on it dude i've asked the derek a couple times i threw in the towel yeah, I threw in the towel. Ask Derek. If he wants to, I'm available. But I'm no longer going to ask. Uh, let's see. Okay. SNC Nutrition. 12.5 milligrams per volume pre-workout, 6 milligrams out of our pre-workout, and 60 milligrams test subcutaneous on a Monday and a Thursday. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, take the Proviron out and increase the Anivar so you can call it a real cycle and keep your SHBG a little bit more favorable and your libido also and actually get some anabolism out of the milligram dose that you're taking. And then you're good. Yeah, then you're good. That sounds better. But you're you're, you're close. Yeah, 120 milligrams of test uh, per week and let's say uh, 10, 15 milligrams Anivar couple times a week pre-workout or maybe every day and throw the environment in the trash neil hey steve i introduced four i use genotropin i don't like that brand anymore man but whatever you can get your hands on all right let's see four i use genotropin to my cycle two i use in the am two i use in the pm for 12 days my left hand and wrist is getting swollen only at night during sleep and then disappear when I wake up for one hour. Uh, any advice? Hydration. 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 
probably not eating enough. 1,000 milligrams of taurine five times per day or 5,000 milligrams taurine pre-workout for osmotic pressure also helps against carpal tunnel in the wrists. But you need to drink a good amount of water. Make sure you flush out all of those electrolytes. Keep your electrolyte intake stable. Keep your water intake stable so your body doesn't uh, fluctuate through these aldosterone levels. And the renin angiotensin aldosterone system goes all over the place with, uh, you know, points during the day where you hold water and then you excrete water, right? So you're, you're basically going through this fluctuation of water retention and water excretion, water retention, water excretion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if your water intake is always high in your left, electrolyte intake is always high and consistent and you take taurine for osmotic pressure that's the intracellular and extracellular fluid balance um then you probably don't have carpal tunnel and swollen hands baby and otherwise um go to nortropin because the brand is better it doesn't give you cardiovascular issues and uh, nortropin compared to genotropin uh, also is less water attentive so you know or you go sizin or omnitrope or something else that's pharmaceutical that doesn't come from a product that, uh, yeah, I uh, made a good amount of money on the stock exchange off. <laughs> All right, Finn, why you keep spamming, dude? CJC, stop it. Any info on how to do CJC with DAC? Would 200 micrograms once per week be enough? Uh, I have a two milligram file. I would say one milligram to two milligram is uh, the weekly dose with the drug affinity complex. So you have the Kanju Chem, that's what the CJC stands for. Kanju Chem, uh, peptide 100 uh, or 1,295 with the drug affinity complex. Um, I would do 150 micrograms per day without the drug affinity complex, or maybe even twice per day. But if you have with the drug affinity complex, that's with DAC for the uninitiated, one milligram once per week, or maybe two milligrams once per week. Um, and of course, if you're reconstituting a vial that doesn't really last 10 weeks, I would say that it lasts maybe three weeks at maximum if you mix it with sterile or bacteriostatic water. Um, I want to I'm going to keep a reconstituted vial longer than three weeks. Try to go through it in two weeks. So if you have a two milligram vial, you mix it, you inject one milligram, and then next weekend you inject the other one milligram, and then you go with uh, what is it, tesamorelin or sermorelin or whatever. And then uh, you get the maximum amount of growth hormone secretion. Hey, Steve, what do you think about Amino Asylum SR9009 and GW1516 injectable combination? Will this help burn fat as a natural? Uh, yes, but go with the oral version because I don't know what carrier oil they use for SR9009 and GW1516. And I don't think that they're water soluble. Um, so again, you would have to inquire with Amino Asylum what carrier oil they use. I haven't seen any blood work on this product from Amino Asylum, but the last time I saw injectable SR9009 or GW1516 or some of the other SARMs, uh, these are not SARMs, but metabolic modulators. When I saw injectable SARMs, uh, guaiacol. Yeah, and that's horrible for the inflammatory markers. So um, I would say just go with the oral version. GW1516 works quite well when you take it orally on an empty stomach. And I think um, Amino Asylum has at least those droppers, and otherwise science.bio is back, and they have uh, good SARMs as well, right? So, uh, but of course, if you go with injectable pre-workout, if you want to inject something, go with the injectable pre-workouts. Yeah, those for my blood work parameters don't raise inflammatory markers at all, because all of those ingredients, all the amino acids, the ATP, the AMP, the clenbuterol, the albuterol, the vitamin B12, all of those are water-soluble and uh, go in like butter.
Yeah. I can't find any studies on sub-Q absorption times of testosterone propionate. Any info reference? I don't think there's any studies on subcutaneous administrations of testosterone. Um, you know, Dr. Eric Chrysler introduced this uh, over a decade ago. And, uh, you know, now the bodybuilding space is slowly catching on. And it does work, subcutaneous administrations. Uh, but I don't think there's so much scientific evidence on it. But I do know that subcutaneous anything will slowly uh, reduce the onset peak and duration, as you can see from uh, subcutaneous administrations of insulin, uh, Umalog uh, sub-Q versus IM, right? there's quite a big difference. And those studies are published on PubMed. You can find them quite easily. So um, as far as I know, there's not too many studies on sub-Q administrations of um, testosterone, not at least in uh, you know the absorption time context. Maybe in serum concentrations, but not regarding the half-life or, uh, you know, bioavailable active life. Let's see. Yeah, here. sub prop still hits like a freight train. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's an MCT oil that uh, absorbs quite readily. Because MCT oil is, um, you know, very viscous and disperses fast. So the surface area of the depot is quite high. And then all the lipases can break the MCT, uh, the medium chain triglycerides down. And then all the testosterone propionate hits your bloodstream and then gets, um, you know, deesterified through the carboxyl esterases in the liver and some other tissues of the body. And then goes straight into the albumin and the SHBG to the androgen receptor or the sexual bonding globulin receptor complex. And then, uh, well, bonus galore. Right? Yeah. Or so I've heard. Ziad, can you use DHA and pregnenolone on HRT without the HCG? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely you can. Yeah. Absolutely. I would still have you use HCG a little bit for the intermediary hormones and the um, testicular function. Um, you know, everybody likes uh, thick and nice, uh, full, juicy balls. Uh, or so I've heard. <laughs> so that's what she said so yeah add it in man full HRT is where it's at I'm gonna take a little water break I've been talking for like 2 hours and 40 minutes straight mm. Randy, does premium volume cause HPTA shutdown? Yes. Next. Thoughts on check drops? If you're a bitch in heat, really good. Uh, but it's so liver toxic that you can't even run it longer than three days. So take it easy on the check drops, please. I love check drops. <laughs> yeah, until you see your liver enzymes and then you don't like check drops anymore. Uh, hey Steve, would uh, uh, a cytochrome P453A4 enzyme inhibitor like fluvoxamine raise the testosterone half-life? No. Also, uh, is EQ also broken down by the same SIP enzymes as test? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, being on fluvoxamine for almost a year didn't change anything to my serum testosterone levels. Uh, but to be fair, when I was running fluvoxamine, I did my cycle exclusively sub-Q. 
but I didn't feel any more anabolic or less anabolic um, on any of the increments of testosterone while the fluvoxamine dose stayed exactly the same. So, yeah, uh, on paper, it's a cytochrome P450 enzyme inhibitor, but you would have to see uh, one twin on testosterone and the other twin on testosterone and fluvoxamine with the same genetic makeup, right? So that's uh, one egg uh, bioidentical twins. What is it called? Something like that. Um, and then see if there's any difference, you know? And even then, epigenetics, you can't really test for. I use check drops before driving in rush hour. Yeah. Yeah, and play some heavy death metal with a lot of grunting. Or, and drive around, you know, in the... Um, what was that guy that uh, armored his uh, tent, you know? <laughs> One of those bull, the killdozer. <laughs> That's what I always think about. The guy that made the killdozer in the United States in some backhand uh, town. He had a bulldozer, he put all this metal plating on it, and he went ham on the town. He got shot in the neck, he died. But, um, yeah, falling down plus the killdozer, you know, I totally get it. Steve, aldosterone antagonists, eplorinone, eplorinone, okay. Is the only thing which gets rid of my bloated TRT phase. Any concerns with long-term usage? 100 milligrams per week. Um, I've never heard of this compound, so I have no idea. But if you go to PubMed, you type in Epler... <laughs> I can't even pronounce it, whatever. Uh, whatever you posted. See if there's any side effects. Yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming that you're excreting a ton of sodium. <laughs> Every day, don't combine this with uh, a sodium glucose uh, type two transporter type two inhibitor, SGLT two inhibitor, because uh, you might, um, yeah, lose a lot of electrolytes, and then you not only get uh, your bloated flesh gone, but also the muscle fullness and the pumps and the contraction gone. So don't overdo it. Oh, the killdozer guy was thirty minutes away from me. Are those, are those buildings still destroyed? I remember when I was younger and I saw that, and I was like, hmm. This is pretty brave and crazy. Imagine how far you need to be pushed before you plate your uh, <laughs> your bulldozer and then you start driving through buildings. Only in America. Big shout out to Steve for introducing me to the pre-workout shower. Shower? Pre-workout shower? Oh, you mean uh, taking a shower before you go in for a workout? Yeah. You want to be clean, right, when you work out. And you never know when you meet your dream lady in the gym. I mean, I met my wife in the gym. And I was showered before I met her. So, you know, uh, still took six months before we went out on a date. But still. All right. Regarding the killdozer, they tore them down. We are pretty patient people here in the mountains. But once we break, look out. Yeah, same as in Thailand. That Thai people are very patient until they break and then uh, shit hits the fan hard because they never learned how to control their anger <laughs> like the Caucasians do. They just grunt their teeth and, you know, <laughs> we kind of take it easy. All right, where are we? Brent, all the biggest bodybuilders at my gym are very red looking. Is this high hematocrit? Uh, yeah, it could be also high blood pressure. Or maybe the use of Cialis and high blood pressure bring all of the blood to the surface. And, uh, but yeah, it could be high hematocrit, could be, um, you know, the use of uh, melanotan too without, uh, you know, going uh, for proper tanning outside. Maybe it's just a tanning salon. And uh, yeah, I called it Trend Tran. 
yeah that's a real thing because trimbalone uh, has some overlap with the adrenal um uh what is it it upregulates adrenocorticotropic hormone which then interacts with the melanocortin receptors um yeah so that's what happens when you go on trend high blood pressure and a little bit of uh, melanocortin receptor activation and then uh yeah you get that nice funny color get fit such a vanilla username <laughs> get fit bro get fit on the get fit youtube channel uh, if you have no insulin sensitivity and your blood glucose, uh, blood sugar markers are all exceptional. Fasting and after eating on the... What? what? After eating on the ranges, is there any point to use exogenous insulin? Uh, so basically, he wants to know if your insulin sensitivity is good. Is there any point to using exogenous insulin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? You know, if your testosterone is in the middle of the reference range and you feel good, you go on exogenous testosterone and you feel 10 times better. And now you're more anabolic, more strong, more masculine, more libido, more productivity. Man, I miss those days. I'm not going to lie. Soon. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, so you're, uh, everything looks good on paper. And you add in exogenous in and you explode. And life gets 10 times better. You get the same for exogenous insulin. So it doesn't make sense, dude. But you need to have everything in place for the exogenous insulin to work because otherwise uh you're in deep shit. hey bro for size two to four i use growth hormone for 12 weeks or eight i use for six weeks uh probably end up throwing some slin and t3 as well if you think eight i use is better um dude you're in crypto you're paying for super chats you can afford ai use for 16 weeks don't give me this shit. <laughs> Don't give me, look at Chase Irons. He's running 18 IUs and he's not, I don't think he's in crypto. So uh, put your crypto gains to work. If you were in Ripple recently, if you were in uh, Bitcoin or some of the other, in Pepe, you know, um, put those crypto gains to work. We, we all had a nice pump. I hope you got out at uh, the, you know, some of the uh, resistance levels. And uh, yeah, run eight IUs for 16 weeks. Use some slim and some T3, eat a ton of food, get freaky huge, and then report back to us that you had the best investment uh, into your own anabolic journey ever. Boss man. Sar. What is that? But thanks for the super sticker. What is Sar again? I think I've been to that country. Currency. Oh, no, Saudi Ariel. No, I haven't been there. Not yet, at least. All right. Thanks for the super sticker, bro. Much appreciated. XRP to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you got, so I've been accumulating XRP in, in the, uh, you know, uh, in the waiting of the, the, the lawsuit. And then uh, Aaron actually sent me a picture. It was very funny. You know, Aaron Burke, guys, from uh, the Muscle Nomads, will do a podcast soon because he's uh, finally in the off-season. So he doesn't have diet brain anymore. He just sent me a picture. Where is where's Aaron? <laughs> just send me this. <laughs> so I was like, oh, did the lawsuit come out? And I, uh, yeah, I bought it. Uh, I've been waiting for floor prices. 
but then it got a big retracement so you know that one i didn't really sell much at least a little bit at the top uh but let's see let's see what happens xrp to the moon steve i can't stop eating ezekiel toast with real butter 85 percent butter fat in the morning with my eggs and turkey okay now thanks for letting us know yeah that's good sounds tasty and you're making me hungry now bro yeah good add, add some uh add some uh jam to that no <laughs> no, no, no eggs and turkey and butter yeah sounds fine to me dude just make sure you stay in shape ah this i like this steve your video on following your dreams and becoming financially independent really helped me you should do more of those yeah and the weird thing is then every time i make a video like that about financial insecurity um i get no views but then i meet people later on like a year or two later like i have many success stories here in thailand because steve i watched that uh, blueprint for financial success and how to move to thailand and i have uh, x amount of money in the bank account right i don't ask but they just tell me and it's substantial it's like five six seven figures um <laughs> and then uh, so the video helped me so much so yeah maybe it's time for another video just the weird thing is like last video last week i made a couple of videos of just speaking my mind but those didn't really get any views but i don't know let's uh, let's make another financial video next week and then uh diego or diago it's up to you to get the views up okay because otherwise uh yeah i'm not gonna do anymore Maybe we should start flashing watches and supercars, right? That's now how to look at money. Right, I watched, uh, you guys remember uh, Ro Robert Kiyosaki, um, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? That book ruined me. So all the money that I make extra, I just put into assets. And then I start the month uh, with zero in my bank account. <laughs> and I don't buy anything. <laughs> just, my wife's like, why, why are you, why is your bank got empty? I said, babe, I just bought, you know, some cryptocurrencies, some stock, some other assets. So why do you do this every month? You don't need to. So well, I like to start at zero to keep you motivated. Well, we'll make a video next week. Yeah. So basically, at the start of every month, I'm broke, and then a couple of days later, I can breathe again. Uh, yeah, it keeps me motivated. S two two five. Uh, how much potency is lost when running 25 milligrams anavar every other day pre-workout versus every day? And is uh, one week every day loading phase necessary? No, you don't need to do a loading phase. But if you're doing it every other day versus every day, then you have basically 12.5 milligrams every day. Right? So, uh, uh, yeah, maybe run 12.5 milligrams every day so you don't have fluctuations in your serum levels regarding the oxandrolone that you're taking. Or... Uh, man the fuck up and take 25 milligrams anavar but put it to work right, 25 milligrams pre-workout or 12.5 milligrams morning and evening on your rest days that's what i would do but not anymore i hear this guy so here another cryptocurrency investor says laughing my ass off i do the same every month broke all right so this guy's in crypto right has the money for super chance doesn't have the money for AIU's growth hormone every 16 weeks. Or maybe he does, but he doesn't want to spend that much because he knows that he can also spend that money on buying a cryptocurrency. And, well, since we're about a year away from the Bitcoin halving, I would say that now is the time to buy. And then the time to sell is anywhere over 120, uh, 25,000 
dollars for one bitcoin might be 125,000 maybe 250,000 but all the money you have extra laying around uh put it into assets that you believe in i believe in bitcoin ethereum even though ethereum is probably going to bleed against bitcoin quite a bit um i have a little bit of doge in anticipation of uh, elon musk uh, fight coming up in 2024 which is right at the beginning of the bull run so i'm sure doge will be high and yes i have a lot of doge and a little bit of sheep and a little bit of peppy and a little bit of no not a little bit quite a bit of bitcoin <laughs> quite a bit of ethereum but i think uh at one point the momentum might kind of phase out right if there's like uh the next couple of months might go down um unless it's just a slow and steady climb but i can change my mind based on the analytics and the you know fundamentals quite a bit so if it's going to be a slow and steady uh climb up i will hold my positions but if it suddenly goes ballistic to uh the 0.61 fibonacci level or 50 percent retracement from the previous bull high uh or bull run then i might get out and then wait for lower prices yeah but let's see right the market changes quite a bit so you know don't ask me what my plan is when i change my mind all the time based on uh, the fundamentals but so far it's looking quite good i would rather prefer a slow but steady climb right with uh, higher lows and then hitting you know the the the, the 200 week moving average buying in a little bit and then when it's overbought i'll sell maybe a couple you know coins and then buy back into have maybe a 10 20 percent gain on my uh coin position and just do that back and forth back and forth until i delete my youtube channel and then you know that i'm uh set no no don't worry about that but <laughs> at one point i might hard for crypto i got tron dude no <laughs> no no dude no look at the justin sun don't be stupid wait until it goes up and then sell don't do tron man what are you doing what's your favorite testosterone esther thoughts on system on 250 and the try test 400 throw that in the trash uh any insights would be great we appreciate it bayer test of iron testosterone annotating castor oil hands down the best product ever orotex medica test of iron testosterone annotating castor oil hands down the best products you can inject into your body i believe in bayer and orotex well pan pharma so much that i have stock yeah i no longer have stock in pfizer uh but i have stock in uh bayer and a couple other pharmaceutical companies and even though those are very slow movers I like to own some of the company because their products are absolutely legit. So throw that try test 400 of your underground lab away. And the uh, system on 250 is an orange oil, which can be inflammatory for some people. Uh, unless it's underground lab, then it might be an MCT. Then I would rather have you use uh, Susten on 250 if it's properly brewed and doesn't give you any post-injection pain because many of these underground labs, they buy a uh, Susten on 250 powder and those four esters have four different melting points and that means that um you know the testosterone uh, acetate might have been uh you know separated from the or the acetate might have separated from testosterone now gives you terrible post-injection pain so sustenon 250 shouldn't give you any post-injection pain if it was four esters brewed separately at different melting points and then combined into a single product but if you go with Sustenon 250 pharmaceutical grade, then it's probably an orochus oil, and orochus oil is inflammatory in a lot of individuals. BitGet, Binance, KuCoin, Coinbase, OTC Market, right? Many places to buy crypto.
Let's see, where are we? Sister always makes me super depressed. Can't do it. Well, that's the first to hear, but uh yeah, if you if you feel that way, then just don't take it, right? There's so many other products you can take. BGM Arena. Steve, what's your thoughts on solo turnable cycle? Alright, let me uh hide you and then you're going into timeout. That's what I think about running Turinable. Solo. Get out of here. <laughs> Questions like that. <laughs> you know how I feel about this shit. Come on, oral only cycles. Fucking pathetic. Inject some shit. Or use at least 8CG for a testicular function. Hey, Steve. Uh, what would be the, be the detection clearance time for the peptides TB500 and GHP RP6? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been really been keeping up with the detection time of TB500 and uh, the growth hormone secretagogues. And by the time the next um, uh, Summer Olympics hits, I will no longer be offering uh, drug detection time consultations because I think by that time, all of my information that I have is outdated. I haven't really researched uh, detection times and beating the drug test for a long time because I kind of priced myself out of that market. Uh, people don't have money for me uh, in that field anymore. So I usually help you know, the guys who are financially secure and uh, are too busy to do their own research because they're multi-millionaires and uh, it's cheaper to hire me <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I'm sorry that it has to be this way, but otherwise I'm on the phone for eight hours a day. So, you know, I had to increase my prices, but I priced myself mostly out of the, the market when it comes to detection times and helping athletes. And even though I used to be very into it uh, years ago, after my wife stopped competing and I stopped helping a lot of competitive bodybuilders at the world championships levels and some of the people that compete in the Olympics, uh, I haven't really been keeping up with, um, you know, uh, drug testing. So besides a couple of peptides and, and drugs that are commonly used, um, those detection times and clearance um, pathways and how to speed that up might still be valid. But by the time the new Summer Olympics hits, uh, hits I'm sure... There's going to be a lot of new uh, testing parameters and new testing things and and all of my knowledge will have been uh, outdated so i will no longer offer it because i don't want to uh, be guilty of having somebody fill the drug test when they paid me you know an arm and a leg to help them and then they fail and then they lost even more all right so that service will be discontinued at one point Richard Bell, what's your thoughts on Anadrol once or twice a week with my tier T plus pre-workout? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Anadrol is an acute effect, whereas some of the other um, uh, oral steroids like Anavar, Turinabol, Dianabol. Dianabol might have an acute effect because it converts into methyl estradiol. So you might get some uh, acute swelling, but it's not very anabolic. Uh, but Anadrol has some non-genomic uh, effects that uh, can potentiate their effects quite rapidly within an hour. So if you take an hour pre-workout, uh, sublingually or orally, uh, orally you get the uh, androgenic uh, metabolite through the liver, what is called mestanolone. Uh, you might get some additional benefits out of that. So Anadrol, I would take orally, not sublingually. And then you take that twice a week in an empty stomach. Uh, you take your uh, intra-workout or pre-workout alongside your TRT+, and uh, you should have phenomenal pumps. Yes. Yeah, do it on weaker body parts that you're trying to bring up. Uh, how long can you run Anadrol for? Until your liver uh, yells at you, telling, uh, begging you to stop. <laughs> hey, bro, please, can't take it anymore. Stop, please, don't do it, no. 
right now just um i don't know it depends on what liver stack you're running and how comfortable you feel with having your liver enzymes elevated and uh you know it's everybody has their own individual risk profile regarding that sense personally if i run anadrol twice a week uh, eight weeks because it doesn't really suppress my appetite um yeah i've run it eight weeks twice a week so that's uh eight weeks yeah not bad at all Uh, 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 uh. Steve, what are your thoughts on Alec Matrevsky mega dosing S4 up until 400 milligrams per day? Uh, that he did that when he was young, and he's learned a lot since then. I don't think the Alec Matrevsky of uh, this day and age would do that. Um, but yeah, uh, he looked better than most people on steroids when he was in that match eight S4. So uh, I, I'm not for it. It's a bit of a crazy protocol. Um, but yeah, he man, he was in his early twenties. You know, I mean, I've done dumb shit in my life too. So, don't do it. That's what I would say. Uh, thank you, Steve. I tried sublingual anadrol for the first time. I'm gonna try oral today. All right, let us know next week how epic your pumps were. Please don't forget. I'll remember your name, Richard Bell. All right, Ricky. What would you recommend for liver protection? I answered that already during this Q&A and last week. So uh, when Alvaro has the timestamps up, uh, just go through the timestamps so I don't have to bore everybody <laughs> with the same question. Uh, hey, Steve, why did you go on fluvoxamine and not some other SSRI? So I didn't know about the vorioxetine at the time. Um, I had a good conversation with uh, Leo about fluvoxamine. I talked with some former clients who were running fluvoxamine for a very long time and had some experience with other SSRIs in the past. And I was thinking about running an SSRI myself. Um, so after doing my own research uh, regarding neurogenesis, I felt that fluvoxamine might've been the, the more potent one and it was prescribed for obsessive compulsive disorder, which I don't really suffer from. Uh, you know, people pointed out when I made that video about fluvoxamine that I don't have OCD, but I have uh, borderline uh, perfectionism. So my issue is always with recording. I might say sentences over and over again to the point I feel that they're perfect and then move on to the next segment. And it's so weird. It's like when I'm on podcasts, I can correct myself, no problem, and keep going. But when I'm here solo and I, there, I know that there's nobody else on the other side, I freeze. So I might say shit over and over again. And I thought that fluvoxamine might help me with that, uh, but it didn't. And now it's still exactly the same. So that's why sometimes uh, a recording is a bit of a struggle because a 20 minute video might take one and a half hours, two hours to record. Yeah, I'm not proud of this. And I've, I've talked with, um, you know, uh, coaches that do help for public presentations and stuff. And it helped a little bit, but, and even how to, you know, pronunciation coaches. And I spent quite a bit of money to improve this condition, but I wasn't able to. So, um, you know, my recording uh, protocols are still the same. I sit there, record, I stumble over my words, and I re-record, and I re-record, and I re-record until it's perfect. That's why the production quality of my videos is good when there's a final product. And even then, I see plenty of mistakes, and I fucking hate myself for it. Uh, but I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, it's 95% good. I'm just going to release it. So that's why I went with fluvoxamine. I had a great experience. Um, I might run it again when my wife is pregnant. The reason why I came off is because fluvoxamine, just like so many other drugs I was taking in the past, are not good for fertility. So I don't want to take the risk. 
That's why I take all that stuff out. And uh, my fertility protocol was extensive. And that's why my fertility parameters are not so fucking exceptional. Because, um, yeah, I did it the hard way. So let's see what happens in the future. But my wife told me that I don't really need fluvoxamine because I'm so tolerant. But it's probably also because my testosterone levels are only 600 nanograms per deciliter. And I'm not trailing like an animal. So by the time I go back on cycle and I put in a little bit of test and Primo and Anavar and IGF-1 and GH, maybe. Let's see. Uh, maybe my mood is uh, insufferable and I need a little bit of uh, vorioxetine to keep me going. Because I did really like the SSRI. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you know, artificially happy all the time. Very good for productivity. Yeah. JBS, what do you recommend for ADHD? Uh, take all the carbohydrates out, follow a ketogenic diet, and um, do some focus work. A lot of productivity YouTube channels out there. Uh, I think a lot of people can cure their HDSD if they just spend like, you know, three hours twice per day doing focused work, no distractions, no noise, no carbohydrates in your system, ketogenic state, and, uh, and, and no Adderall or no Ritalin or no blah, 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 right? Just take the carbs out and you'll feel a lot better. Where can a guy do labs in Padia? Um, I, I'm not sure what the lab is called. It's two o'clock in Padia, dude. Yeah, it's two o'clock. <laughs> go to bed or go to Walking Street. It's Saturday for fuck's sake. Uh, best place to do labs. I'm not. I think it's called Nyborn, but I might be mistaken. Go to the Thailand Survival Guide. It's on my YouTube channel, and then I have a whole list. Of things there, uh, where to do blood work, uh, where to go to the gym, where to get water, where to shop, where to do this, where to do that. Thailand Survival Guide, it's about two years old, and I got several labs, which are the cheapest places and the best places to do blood work in Thailand. Chiang Mai, uh, Bangkok, Phuket, and Pattaya as well. Sean, I have bad uh, shift work sleep disorder. I'm prescribed 200 milligrams modafinil to help me. I want to lower the dose and combine it with nootropics. Recommendations. Uh, watch that deep sleep deep dive video series. You'll get a gut, um, gotta, you'll get a lot of good recommendations there to help with uh, sleep um, shift work and uh, you know improve your sleep disorder. Um, reduce your modafinil from 200 milligrams to 50 milligrams per day so you don't get such of a high tolerance and maybe you have to taper that down if you get narcoleptic if you reduce the dose that much or maybe go to 150 milligrams for a couple of weeks then 100 milligrams and then 50 milligrams per day and then uh, you know look into some nootropics that you like I like the combination of modafinil saffron and um, alpha GPC and tyrosine Right, but now that I've been using shameless plug grillamide respawn, I don't use any modafinil. <laughs> I just take one scoop of this, half a scoop of this, and I got all co uh, bases covered. Why do you think I can talk for three hours, dude? It's not the modafinil, it's also bad for fertility. Uh, but you know, all the ingredients in respawn, those don't have any deleterious effect on fertility, so that's what I can use. And I'm still highly cognitive, even though I uh, talk a little bit fast sometimes, but. Damn, it's good. Damn. I get my labs done at Maximum Clinic in Bangkok. It's like 9K bot. Yeah, go to Bria Labs instead. Yeah, go to Bria Labs. Cheaper. Much cheaper. 
Much cheaper. Uh, let's see, what else can we answer? Oh man, we got 20 minutes left, guys. Get your super chats in. Please, I need the super chats. I'm broke. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, let's see. Z, got to go to the gym. Love from the UK. Enjoy your workout, bro. Have fun. Oh, I had a good. I had a question about a female. Philip, uh, my girlfriend has a DHA level of 100 uh, my, uh, microgram per deciliter. Uh, what else should she start to boost to the top of the reference range? 400. I would say that 25 milligrams is more than enough. 12.5 milligrams morning, 12.5 milligrams in the evening. Hold out on the pregnenolone because her progesterone levels are probably high enough as they are. Um, you know, assuming that her pregnenolone levels are sufficient as well. Start with 25 milligrams. Uh, see if that has a negative effect on LH and FSH estradiol levels, right? See if that fluctuates. And keep in mind, women go through their menstrual cycle, so they fluctuate all the time. So if you check it now, um, same date in regards to her menstrual cycle. Go on DHEA, 25 milligrams, so at morning and evening, half the dose. And then check on the same date uh, on her next menstrual cycle, so that's about 28 days later. Um, that's a good movie, by the way. Uh, 28 days later and then uh, see uh, how her uh, before and after blood work compares which is then in the similar dates compared to a menstrual cycle and otherwise increase it to 50 but from my experience most women 25 milligrams DHA is enough and keep in mind that DHA levels also fluctuate during the menstrual cycle so look into the you know the the follicular and the luteal and all those ranges and see if she's in range uh, in those different ranges based on her menstrual cycle all right Women have more complicated blood work than men because they have, you know, ranges for every phase of the menstrual cycle. It's mad annoying. Yeah. KG Swim, how much L-tyrosine and B6 do you recommend for hyperlactin? 500 milligrams L-tyrosine and 100 milligrams vitamin B6, B5P twice per day not too late in the day because this elevated dopamine level might actually keep you awake to the point that some people um you know have insomnia on trt or hcg monotherapy if they inject too late in the day their dopamine levels go up and because of the testosterone and the hcg administration so you take maybe 500 milligrams uh, l-tyrosine in the morning with 100 milligrams vitamin b6 p5p and then again sometime in the afternoon and uh, hopefully your prolactin levels will come down. And otherwise, combine that with 50 milligrams modafinil, which can also lower prolactin levels quite effectively. Or, or better yet, uh, see what the root cause of your hyperprolactin is. Like if it's wheat or kratom, right? take that out. Michael. Currently on 150 milligrams testosterone intake per week. Six months in, blood work is normal. Currently eating in a deficit. Any steroids you suggest for strength and good for long term and a lower dose is not affecting blood work. All the steroids will affect your blood work, so get that out of your head. Even if you go to 200 milligrams testosterone intake, it might move the needle from good lipids to bad lipids or uh, worse lipids than before. Uh, the more steroids you are on, the worse your blood markers are going to be. And then you can um, you know, compensate for that with the health supplements. The astragalus root extract, the citrus bergamot, the berberine, the fish oil, basically the entire year on supplement stack that I have on my website. Um, so in this case, 
150 tests, 150 primo, 10 milligrams Inovar per day. You're welcome. See you in a couple months. Um, you should be more uh, cosmetically appealing, stronger, leaner, more sexy looking. Um, you know, hips all bruised and battered because you're getting so much sexual activity. Your blood work parameters might look a little bit worse, but it'll be all worth it. Yeah, and it's, dude, it's, you go from 150 milligrams per week to 370 milligrams per week, and that's quite sustainable for the next six months. Again, if you're on top of your health supplements and your daily fasted cardio, and you eat healthy too, which will give you good results. And the shit, you know, if your blood work is still good, you, you know, double the dose on everything. 300 test, 300 primo, 20 milligrams anivore, add in the GH and the IGF-1 or something else, and then... Um, yeah, put those hips to work even more, right? The more pushing power you have from the hips, uh, the more your social status and your TripAdvisor rating goes up. And then uh, instead of uh, dishing out all those super uh, likes on Tinder, your Tinder profile will be on fire. Yeah, because all those other girls that you had previously will vouch for you. Or so I've been told. Right? I'm just fantasizing. I've been married for 10 years or eight years. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Let's see. Do you think weed smokers should be on P5P tyrosine year-round to counter the prolactin? Yes, and also to increase their motivation. <laughs> Do you guys like that uh, short that I posted <laughs> yesterday? Everybody got triggered because I said that weed smokers are unproductive. Um, yeah, I'm from Holland, dude. <laughs> I've seen so many people waste their lives by smoking weed chronically. <laughs> Man, I talked to a guy in Holland that smoked weed every day, one of my former classmates. He reached out through Instagram and asked him what he accomplished. So I told him maybe you should stop smoking weed, dude. Fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, not saying that everybody's lazy smoking weed, but, you know, there's a big correlation uh, from what I see. So if you want to smoke weed once a week, every two weeks, every month, go for it. Go for it. And if you can stay productive on weed, go for it. But if you're lazy and you're not maximizing your time and you're not uh, getting financially secure so you can, uh, you know, pay your own way and your uh, significant other's way and everybody in your family's way, maybe you should pick another drug, another vice. And that's coming from a man living in Holland <laughs> for 25 years of his life. Boss man, thanks for the super chat. I don't see any question, but I'll take your money. <laughs> Much appreciated. Guide for TRT when traveling. I have a video on that. Yeah, if you bring your gear while traveling. So you see me just all worried, super expressionist with a picture of um, uh, a suitcase full with drugs, like, uh, like I was using the X-ray machine. Yeah, watch that video. Have you looked into a spike protein detox? Uh, Lumbrokinases, I've looked into that. Allergen research, natokinase plus consistent sauna should help. Yeah, I've looked into that. I'm going to meet with uh, Joe's doctor sometime next week and uh, do some blood work analysis and see if that's required. Yeah, see if that's required. If there's any graphene in my blood um, and I have the doctor's approval, uh, then of course I will document that on YouTube as always. But let's see. Yeah, I got the, the Lumbrokinase and the Natokinase and Noceropeptase at home already. But I'll see if it's required. Because why run these supplements? And buying the supplements is easy. But why run them if it's not required? Right? My calcium score is zero. So, um, yeah. 
Don't throw the kitchen sink at it when it's not needed. JBS, do you recommend HCG on TRT and does HCG directly cause hair loss? Uh, indirectly by raising DHT levels, but your TRT would be a higher likelihood of raising your DHT levels than the HCG does. So you're on TRT and DHT is elevated, causing you hair loss, then uh, the HCG might worsen that. But let's be honest, most people on TRT that have hair loss, um, they're on TRT because they did not take care of their body well and thus get hair loss and thus get low testosterone levels. So... Uh, I've mentioned this many times before, make sure that you're 100% healthy and then maybe you don't even get hair loss and maybe you didn't even need TRT in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and if you still get hair loss, when you're 100% sure that you're healthy and you're doing everything you can to treat your body right, then yes, HCG might accelerate the hair loss that you currently experience. And uh, if you think that I'm an ugly man with, well, it does look like a fucking uh, head tattoo right but it's not you're welcome to come to thailand and rub my head for good luck <laughs> yeah just ask my wife first okay and wash your hands please uh this is not a tattoo guys this is yeah just some asmr you hear that that's real hair all the guys that go nuts in the comment section and the hat says being bald is the best thing ever yes I agree. I don't like hair. This is the only hair I have. And here a little bit. And everything else. Ah, gone. It's gone. Uh, where are we? Did I miss something? Oh, here. Saiyan. Hey, uh, I took your advice on one gram nicotinamide mononucleotide. I'm slowly preparing for a week-long fast. You said will be hell. Should I take an electrolyte powder during the fast? Uh, yeah, hopefully you feel more energetic after that much nicotinamide mononucleotide and otherwise watch more of the mitochondrial support stack to get some further ideas. And if you want to fast for a week, um, just eat salad vegetables, throw in some olives, throw in some pickles. They don't have so many calories. You're technically still fasting, but you get a lot of potassium and a lot of sodium in that way. And you just continue with your regular, um, you know, supplement protocol with a multivitamin, maybe some magnesium here and there. And then you get all the electrolytes in that you need. So don't overcomplicate it. I like to do fasting mimicking with just vegetables when I fast. Technically, it's fasting, uh, but not entirely because you're still eating some sort of food. You're still getting some calories in. But of course, the, the, the vitamins that you take also have calories, right? Fish oil, vitamin D, uh, vitamin E, vitamin K, they're all fat soluble. So they have some calories. So, uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Medico, how do you manage rage when taking Halo? So most of the time you take Halo testing, you're in such a depleted state, so tired from dieting for such a long time that you don't even have the energy to get angry. <laughs> and otherwise, uh, emotional maturity comes a long way. Yeah, or lower the dose. Hassan, Steve, what happened to your old haircut? I, I don't know, I just got tired of, you know, doing my hair every time I went to the gym. I mean, I wear a helmet when I go to the gym, and then your hair gets messed up, and after a while, I just got used to it. I mean, I've been shaving my head since I was, like, I was shaving my hair since I was 19 years old. And you know, sometimes they grow hair, sometimes they don't. I just got tired of it. So I, now I have to trim three times a week. I mean, I trimmed it yesterday, and now it's already thick. Who knows, maybe I'll get it lasered off. And then I have never have to touch it. Horny Steve. All right. 
the meme the meme accounts have shown up again guys you have 10 minutes left <laughs> then i'm out of here uh wnt productions optimal macros during a cutting phase guys uh my coach says no fat and very high carbs your coach fire him kick him in the balls and then send him on his way while recommending i switch to a bro split while i'm on cycle um your coach is a retard you need adequate amounts of fat because low fat eventually gets you stuck right and fat have a lot of fat soluble vitamins you don't have to exclude any uh macro don't exclude the protein don't exclude the fat have a balanced approach because you need carbohydrates for muscle fullness. Now, you can get a little bit of gluconeogenesis from the protein that you're eating, but I still like a little bit of fruit post-workout, even if you're doing a ketogenic diet, right? So you don't get this glucose intolerance that might happen with prolonged ketogenic exposure. Um, so let's do this. Uh, 1.5, 1.25 grams of fat per kilo of body weight, 0 0.75 to one gram of fat per kilo of body weight. And however many fats or carbs you need to stay full and have a good pump during the workout. But eventually, the longer you diet, regardless of how much drugs you take, you will get flat. You will lose a pump. And that's all part of the process. That's all part of the process. If you're not going flat and you don't feel miserable for a couple of weeks, you're not going to get peeled. Let's see. What is the title of the TRT traveling video? Uh... I don't know, traveling on, tier, on steroids, it's, uh, traveling on cycle, something like that. Try and type in travel. I'm sure you get it. Yeah. Yeah, you should clip that and uh, send it to your coach. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Yeah, let me, let me let's handle that again. Where are we? My coach is saying no fat and high carbs. And Steve says... Kick your coach in the balls and send him on his way because your coach is a retard. All right, use this as a clip. We'll be three seconds on uh, TikTok. Tag your coach, and then he'll uh, rebuttal that with, ah, Steve doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, 38,000 people on my uh, YouTube don't lie. <laughs> so there. Uh, Flair, do you recommend ACG on TRT? And if so, how much? Yes, 250 IOs three times a week. Next. <laughs> Man, same questions every time. 250 IU sub-Q on TRT in between your testosterone administrations. Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, testosterone administrations. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, ATG administrations. 50 milligrams testosterone, NFH, CPNA, and propionate. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's clinically recognized. TRT, 150 milligrams per week. And 250 IUs, ATG, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, you fill in the blanks. I'd add in a little bit of romacin if needed, or dinylmethane, or, uh, you know, uh, yeah, make a TRT plus with premobolin or mastodon to control your estradiol levels, or just get lean so you don't have to care about it. And, uh, yeah, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Laugh. Give me those laugh emojis. Steve, what do you think is the best country to buy steroids? Uh, Turkey. Yeah. Cost, quality, laws, Turkey, dude. Turkey. That's why all the all the all our, our good sources right there. Uh, and Thailand would be second. You can buy testosterone over the counter. 
You can buy Primo under the counter, but it's pharmaceutical. But unfortunately, the Primo in Thailand sold out because I bought everything. And right now, the price of Primo is so high that the importer doesn't want to bring it in. Um, but yeah, I would say Turkey, dude. Yeah, Turkey. Turkey has all the all the steroids. Let's see. My chest has been fluffy since I was a teenager. I am able to tolerate 66 estradiol, it's picograms per milliliter, I'm assuming, without side, without side effects. If I go and test with GH, uh, should I allow it to go up to 75 or lower it to 50? I would lower it to 50 so you don't have so much water retention and don't risk gynecomastia if your chest is already fluffy. I noticed it from, let's say, 65 picograms per milliliter, so that's pretty much where you're at that my lower chest gets a little bit more watery and fluffy and that uh, nipples start to protrude. And at 75, I definitely notice a decent amount of water retention uh, unless I have uh, copious amounts of uh, primaball and masterone, et cetera, in the picture, which might inhibit some of the effects. So again, look at the total picture and then adjust accordingly. Guys, I'm tired. It's been uh, 11, 12, 1, 2, yeah, three and a half hours on camera. Plus consultations today. So let's wrap it up. No more super chats. Um, have you ever used Tony's supplement like uh, his sleep juice? Um, yeah, it was not the supplement of the sleep juice that Tony gave me. <laughs> That's a good way to end this podcast. <laughs> oh, Tony, you're a riot. Um, guys, thank you guys so much for joining. I'm going to throw in the towel. It's been a long day. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything I want to do. Oh, one more super chat. All right. Last one, guys. Uh, would you continue using ACG uh, while going on cycle? Yes. Yes. To sustain testicular function and to keep your libido going and fertility going. And then, um, you know, by the time you're ready to start conceiving, uh, you just keep the ACG going. And then uh, you uh, come buckets. And coming buckets is what life is all about. All right, guys. Um, see you guys next week. And uh, then we'll uh, go in for another round of uh, vigorous Q&A. Enjoy your weekend. Again, don't do anything crazy. I wouldn't do. Uh, I've done a lot in my life. Made a lot of mistakes. Uh, so you don't have to. Um, but yeah, no, let's save that for next week. <laughs> see you guys. Peace out. And um, much love to the vigorous crew. Yeah, Frontal advice for you guys. All right, that's it. Later, my dudes.